Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. Hi. Welcome to Dweebs Live 2017. We say it 2017 like there's going to be a 2018 one. We really don't know yet, but... Everyone having a good time? Good. Good to hear. Good to hear. Okay. Um, We're just going to jump into the show. Um, Feel free to video, whatever you want to do. Feel free, post it, whatever. It's cool with us. We don't care. Um, So what we're going to do, the show today is going to be a little bit different. We're going to do a regular podcast uh, on some weird guy named Edmund Crayfield. And then we're going to um, call up some of our podcasting guests and interview them, ones that you're probably very familiar with. So uh, it should be a lot of fun. Ready to get started? All right. Cool. Welcome to History Dweebs, the podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. We are a comedy podcast, true crime, true crime and history podcast. Um, we do use adult language. If adult language offends you, you wouldn't be here. But <laughs> so we're glad that you're here. Uh, but if you're listening to this and adult language um, offends you, please check then out. you can go. <laughs> Come on, say it, and, uh, Say it, say it. You can go fuck yourself. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but we would really like you to check out some of the other, some of our other favorites. There are some actual real true crime podcasts that if this kind of stuff offends you. Um, and what are some of them that we would recommend? Um, I would recommend, um, let's see, we, we have a young lady out here. Mm-hmm. Already gone. Yes. I'd recommend With Nina. Yes. It's a wonderful Great podcast. podcast. The Conspirators. The Conspirators. Great uh, podcast. Yeah. We have Ben and Roseanne, they walk among us. Yes. And then we have David and Chelsea from Based Upon the True Crime. Yeah, Based Upon True Crime. They, although they may offend you. They, they, I've been with them this weekend, they have been a little bit offensive. They offended so, your... They have offended me. No, the problem is they're very happy people. That You are some perky-ass people. What's wrong with you? They're very happy. Okay. Yeah. They're all holding hands and whatever. Yeah. It's crazy. All right, let me introduce our panel. I'm very happy to introduce 
uh, a lady, a very, a very talented lady, uh, the very lovely Pill Poppin. No, I'm not going to do that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, a lady who's known throughout the land as Brandy the Benevolent, Queen Brandy the First. Hi. Welcome. How are you, Brandy? I'm good. I'm good, Timmy. How are you? I'm well. Huh? I'm well. Really? Yeah. Excellent. Yes. So do you want me to do my thing now? Do your thing. Okay. So I wanted to take a minute, and evidently I have to speak in the microphone um, and not walk around, which is what I do on the phone. Um, but I, I did want to let you guys know just how much we really, really appreciate what you guys do for us. Um, you know, the group that we have on Facebook is so amazing. Um, and I'm so glad we had this weekend so I could thank each and every one of you because we don't make that group what it is. You guys do. And it's amazing and it is a safe place. And I, you know, it's I post. It's a safe place? It's. It don't seem all that damn safe to me. <laughs> you know, but it's where you can, you can let your freak flag fly. And, um, and I appreciate that. I post, I post there more yeah, than I post on my own page because my friends don't really know how weird I am. And. And I just, I wanted to say thank you from, from the three of us that, you know, we really appreciate you guys and, and what you do for us. And, um, and, I, and I wanted to make sure that you guys know that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say, and it is um, that this is a live show and I've had two coffees. <laughs> so, you know, stuff's going to happen uh, and I may have to get up and go to the little girl's room. So... Just if that happens, just continue. Um, and pee in place. Huh? No. You can pee in place. I cannot. <laughs> and uh, but um, so I don't know. That's kind of all I wanted to say. I appreciate every one of you. I'm so glad you guys came. It's been such a an honor uh, to meet every one of you. Um, for me, I, I'm not speaking for the two of them. Who knows with them? But but I appreciate all of you, and I thank you so so much for taking Absolutely. time out of your lives to be here. Yeah, we appreciate. And can I just say, she is typically not this nice, so this is not what I deal with Facade. on a daily basis. Yes. What? It's early. Okay, is brandy time done? Right. We're done with brandy time. <laughs> of we course we are. All right. Because we need to get to Chuck time. We do need to get to Colonel time. Let me introduce the uh, a guy who's. The most dangerous man in podcasting today. He is not. A man who is known as really our moral compass. Nope, like to nope, so. nope, 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 nope. The very honorable, the Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawkwaters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Charles? I'm not good, Timmy. I'm not good. <laughs> I'm old, I'm sore. And you were out past I was out. I was out past 10 o'clock last night, and... Uh, I'm, I'm a little tired today, Timmy. This is your first podcast since your uh, tra uh, since your I had a, since I actually I had an organ removed. I don't know if you people oh, know Pete's that. For Pete's sake, um, well, tell us a, about that. Carl. No, it was it was it was unpleasant, but I survived. Um, it was a gallbladder. I could have done me, that in my office. I had eleven cuts. Huh? I could have taken that out in my office. You Hold had on, your first gallbladder of all, let me just say you took six weeks off for a gallbladder surgery. I was, yeah, you did. I was back to work my third day. You've worked hard. You my third day, I was shit. back to work. I was you working are. from home. You, really? You were working yeah. from home? But a week later, his, I was back to work. Where he does his best work. No, you're bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do my best work. I'm calling bullshit. So, I, I'm on. just saying. I got, 
you know, I, I will show I will show you my scars after the show. Oh God! Anybody want to see it? Are you charging it? for that? No, they can film for free. Yeah, that's part of the part of the deal. It's part of, part of the so, experience. Uh, part of the package. But otherwise, I'm very happy to be here. We're good. Oh wait, I want to say one more thing. So surely so we're back to brandy wait, time no, now. No, it's not brandy. Simmer down. All right. So back there in those chairs, um, Shirley Strap and Allison Shields were so disappointed that they couldn't be here, and so they are here with us in spirit right over there. So uh, hey. if you guys would or if you want to, everybody stop and kind of get your pictures taken with them, and we can send them out, and, and they'll be really excited about that. So, and, I, you know, I would lay in front of a car for Shirley, and I'm not sure why. She's just amazing. So, um, Jesus Christ, can we get to the podcast? Yeah, oh, are you going to just ramp? You didn't get no goddamn Academy Award. She had coffee. You act like I Matt could. Damon standing you up there know. talking about global warming and everything else. Just get this damn podcast, would hey, you? I could, we could get a potty for this. <laughs> I don't a potty not award. think so. Yeah. All right. Okay. Rachel. Um, we want to thank Rachel, too. She's back there working the um, PowerPoint. Thank you, Rachel. Yes. And she's, she's very hungover. So mm. thanks for coming in hungover like that, Rachel. Yeah. Is everyone hungover? Most of you? Some of you? None of you? Okay, good. All right. Let's talk about the Holy Rollers. Yeah. Edmund Crayfield and his sex cult. Correct? I know. I'm only about a year and a half away from getting one of my own. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm taking this as a blueprint right here. Except there's some stuff that happens to him that I'm going to try to avoid, but this is my plan right here. Uh, Edmund Crayfield was quite the ladies' man. <laughs> no. All right, so Edmund Crayfield was a religious leader in the early 20th century who promoted nudity and free love, Brandy. Perfect. Those are all good things, Timmy. He started a church called the Bride of Christ Church, where he was looking for the new Mary. And he had to test them out to see if they were suitable to be the new Mary. So, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Tim's closer to doing this than you, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> so now you got, got to find the right person. Tim finds all the damaged ones. Well, yeah, that's true. Oh, some of these, yeah. Some of these women are really handsome that you'll see on the... Uh, yeah. I will not see. I can't yeah. see shit. They will. The audience will see. <laughs> okay, so he obtained a substantial following. This motherfucker had to be in the Northwest, in Oregon and Washington. Very good. Thank well, there you. we go. When we say Washington, is that what you really want to hear? Okay. He <laughs> was in Washington State. Okay. Um, he was born, Colonel, Franz... Like that name? Franz? Franz. 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 Or Franz. No. <laughs> <laughs> Edmund Crayfield on August the 10th, 1873. August the 10th. Okay, his, his mama was not pregnant at Christmas time. Yeah, that kind of sucks. He was born in Firth, Germany, Colonel. We have a picture of him as a baby out there. I can't see. But no, you can't okay. see. Cool. Most of his life, he would go by the name of Edmund until he became a prophet, Brandy, and then he would go by Joshua II. Perfect. Yeah. That's better than Edmund. Yeah. There's not many prophets named Edmund. No. His, mother name, his mother's name was Hilga. 
I think. No. She was a handsome woman, but, a very, but she was very stern. <laughs> she was fiercely devoted, a fiercely devoted evangelical Christian. <laughs> it's like, she's a looker. <laughs> She looks like the she looks like the chick from The Exorcist. <laughs> Holy Christ! <laughs> Jesus, um, I've seen some things. Not like that. She, she made her children read the Bible three hours each day. Good thing, right, girl? I, I usually try to do an hour and a half. Do I'm you? Not, I'm not. Do oh, you? Yeah, I'm not a lunatic about it. I just try to do an hour and a half. You're not fanatical. Yeah. No, I'm not a fanatic. No. Yeah. Hour and a half, you can get it done in a year. Can you? Mm -hmm. That's an amazing thing yeah. that you know. I've actually written some additional books in the Bible. <laughs> the book of Chuck. Yeah. The book of the Colonel. Colonelations. <laughs> All right. So she made her uh, uh, made her kids read the Bible three hours each day, and they had to attend church services three times a week. She was also a strict disciplinarian. She would beat Edmund and his sisters for the slightest infraction. Why is that funny? What the fuck are you laughing about? Because she's... I, it just strikes me funny as a person who reads the Bible every day, goes to church every day, and then comes home and beats the hell out of their kids. It's a, it's a spare a the rod situation. There's a little bit of a contradiction there. Isn't that a spare the rod situation, though? Yeah, well, it depends. You can spare the rod occasionally. You ain't got to beat them every damn day. You, ain't, you shouldn't have to be re replacing a rod every damn week on the kids now. I understand her plight. <laughs> <laughs> My mama was a little rough on me. <laughs> uh, okay, so Edmund's father was a meek and mild man. <laughs> named <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> And that motherfucker didn't have good eyesight either because you've seen her ass. <laughs> so. He admired his father. Uh, and uh, even though it was clear to every, everyone that Hilgo wore the pants in the family. No kidding. <laughs> Aw. They are not a handsome group of people. <laughs> he was a nerdy man who worked as a civil servant delivering mail. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Nothing wrong with that. No. Honorable, honorable profession. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Edmund was a very bright student. He was not a very bright student. <laughs> but his parents made him quit school at an early age to work in the mines. As they should have. Yeah. <laughs> what was he, seven, eight? It's time. Here <laughs> <laughs> Gonna hang out. You know. Look, little fingers so great buttons. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he can get into those little tiny crevices and get some shit out. So Edmund uh, had two younger sisters, Elizabeth and Mary, and he, he was responsible for looking out for them. Holy sweet Jesus. Dude, this was, is this is a yeah. family that should have a tent over their house. <laughs> yeah, There's no reason. No. Even at an early age, Brandy. Yes. Edmund attracted women. Why? As a baby, as a baby, women would yearn to hold him, 
So much so that uh, his mother would often leave him at home in a, alone in a crib rather than take him out to uh, grocery shopping, fearing that other women would delay her by fawning over Edmund. I get that. Yeah. I would leave my kids. Yeah. I, any time. I told somebody last night, any time I get the chance to go to Target or anything without my kids, I'm gone two hours. <laughs> just give Noah, crack a window, give Noah the remote. See, my mama, my mama used to take me and just let people fawn over me. Did she? She did. People used to fawn over Casey. It was the most obnoxious thing ever. People would take pictures because he was this little blonde person. Where is Casey? I thought he was supposed to be here. I can't even with he him. He screwed us again. Huh? He screwed us. He did. He's an ass. I hope he <laughs> hears this. He won't. Uh, he will. Oh, he will hear about it. Uh, okay. So um, his mother said that uh, she told her husband that Edmund has the devil's smile, Kern. What do you think about that? I, I, you been, have you been told that before? My grandmother, my, great, my grandmother, my dear departed grandmother, God rest her soul, she was from Ireland. She's dead. And do you have she, a tattoo of her? I do not. <laughs> she, was, she used to call me the devil's own. That was her name for me, the devil's own. That's shocking. I'm but glad she had this beautiful Irish accent, so it sounded like it was a compliment. <laughs> She'd be like, hi, there's the devil's own right there. Come here, Chucky. I mean, it was very sweet. It was very sweet. She loved you, Chucky. She's the only person ever called me Chucky. Not anymore. <laughs> That's her. Man. Oh, I got you. <laughs> Ladies also seem to be taken by Edmund's light blue eyes and quiet demeanor. He did nothing to discourage his admirers. In fact, he looked for opportunities to exploit them. <laughs> This guy's reminding me more and more of you, Timmy. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, no. The more I read about this guy, the more I'm thinking Timmy. Well, okay, give me a couple paragraphs. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm we'll... thinking the similarities only grow <laughs> yeah, as we get through this. Um, when he was 12 years old, he received love letters from his 32-year-old second-grade teacher. Who Alice was she? Dewey. Mary Kay Letourneau? What the hell? <laughs> I got her name, Alice Why? Dewey. That's gross. Oh, hold on. Her name, this is German people, her name was Der Bush. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I, That's so nasty. <laughs> Ew. Oh yeah, man. This what? is this is a, this is not early. You know, this is eighteen hundred. No, yeah, it was it's, it's eighteen hundred. Yeah, it was Bush. different times, man. No, eighteen hundred Bush. <laughs> you know that stuff. <laughs> I got a machete. Yeah, weed whacker, man. Never in my life. It, it, people don't just look at. Well, some people do, I guess. But now it's illegal. You don't look at a twelve-year-old and go, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna get me some of that. Yeah, Nobody, was, it's, that's, it's illegal. It's it was gross. different times. No. It was different times. No. This is gross anytime. <laughs> anytime. His shit hasn't even dropped yet. Ew. Ew. His voice hasn't changed. You do not know that maybe he matured early. You don't know. He's talking like Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> Ew. He, he was a charmer now. Yeah, he was. As he grew older, Edmund became quite the ladies' man. Ew. The ladies' man. No, not the ladies' man. He was, despite being short, Colonel, he was only 5'6". He's not Prince. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. He's quite a charmer. That's the only 5'6 guy that is, you know, okay, he's a little sexy. This kid's 12. <laughs> he's growing up now. He's 5'6", uh, and he was rather... And he's odd-looking. He's, he's rather odd-looking. So, yes. Uh, can we get to the good part about Edmund here? <laughs> yeah. 
Edmund was quite the charmer when it comes to women. Oh. It didn't hurt that Edmund, Edmund Crayfield was very well endowed, Brandy. No. Now we're getting too much. Now we can get to my comparison. Is it? And, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, it ain't easy. It ain't easy. Yeah, you feel my, you feel my pain. I feel his pain, bro. <laughs> it ain't easy. It was reported. Ugh. All right, cover James's ear. Here, ears. Yeah, I'm too hungover for that. It was reported that his penis was 13 and a half inches long. <laughs> And he referred to his penis as lucky. I bet he did. <laughs> do we not? Do we have an image of that? No, 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 no slide was available. No picture, unfortunately. But I can show you my scars after the show. If that makes up for that. Is this when he was twelve? Is that no, why no, his he's teachers grown, hit he, on him? No, no, he's grown. He's grown now. He's grown up now. It's a grown but now ass, you see why the thirty-two-year-old teachers are lining up. No, no, I don't. No, still gross. Thirteen and a half inch. Just think if he were alive today and it's 20 a, years old, that boy would cross the bear. He'd be Dirk Diggler at that point, <laughs> yeah. but that's nasty. It was estimated that Edmund Crayfield <laughs> had sex with 80% of the women in first Germany during his time there. <laughs> it, it was a guesstimate. Yeah. He's like the Will Chamberlain. He is like Will Chamberlain. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is, you know, and this is before Craigslist, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 80% of the he, women in this town. I guessed him. This guy was well. one. It was just word of mouth to me. <laughs> Ew. There were several attempts on his life by angry husbands <laughs> in the area. In 1900, a group of men formed a lynching mob <laughs> to put the end of Edmund and Lucky once and for all. What? Okay. That's why I don't put pictures of my stuff out there on the internet, Timmy. People come after you. Is that yeah, their that's own? the reason. <laughs> they, people ain't well, that, Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> well, that could be too, but... <laughs> so learning that a mob was, uh, was after him, Edmund went into hiding. Uh, the men went so far to form a search party and put up wanting posters around town. Of so, Edmund. <laughs> of Lucky? Or I think of Edmund, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, so they... They're, af they're after him. He's not winning over the guys in the, in the town. But, but the ladies love him. He also had military service coming up and a lynch mob after him, so he thought it might be a good time to leave first and even leave Germany altogether. Hold on. Can we, can we get to what the wanted sign said? Oh, all right. I love yeah, that. you skip that part. Skip that. But the wanted sign said, do not be cuckolded by this man. Or <laughs> 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 Yeah. So this was... Uh, or cockholded. <laughs> Cockholstered. Don't be cockholstered. <laughs> That's good advice, really. Yeah. One of those. Uh, okay. So, ladies, his lady friends helped him make it to the port city of Hamburg, where he boarded a freight destined for the west coast of the United States. So they formed like a penis underground railroad. Yes. <laughs> yes. For lucky. For lucky. <laughs> wow. In the spring of 1903, Colonel, Edmund Crayfield arrived in Corvallis, Oregon, and quickly joined the Salvation Army. Oh, I forgot to mention, he had, a rough, he had a rough <laughs> passage, and he prayed to God that if, um, if he would make it safely to the U.S., he would devote his life to Christ and to God, 
and being a man of his word, when he arrived in Oregon, he joined the Salvation Army. <laughs> so far, so good. Wait, a minute, is that like a real thing, or was he a bell ringer? I'm just picturing him outside the grocery store, just like yeah, eh. just ringing his bell. No, oh, not with the bell. Just <laughs> oh, <laughs> Come on. help me out here. Help yeah. me out here. Yeah. <laughs> God bless you. Yeah. He was well received by the organization and made friends quickly, especially among. The ladies. Um, especially among the ladies of the congregation. He, he was a ladies, ladies man. man. What, did he just walk around with his dick out and he'd be like, hey, you know, come see well, me. he's a handsome gentleman. No, no, he's not. <laughs> you know, sometimes if you have, like, nice green eyes or whatever, you dress accordingly. Yeah, and the devil smiles. Yeah, but if you have attributes that are hidden, sometimes you have to make them a little visible. Like wearing skinny jeans? Speedo. <laughs> Speedo, yeah. That you can't fit your hips into? You know what? That's, that ain't even funny. <laughs> I'm going to go off topic here, and I'm going to tell you a story. I, I, I go to a store, and I always buy Levi's because I know, you know what size I wear. This story but thing. now Levi's has like 360 different types, you know, the 521s, five, and I wear, I wear 550s. I know I don't have to try them on. I can grab 550s. I can go. And one day I grabbed a pair of 505s, and they're in my size, and I get in a dressing room, and I try to pull these damn things up, and I'm like, damn, have I got that fat? I can't get them past my knees. And I look down, and I have grabbed skinny jeans. Which is, you know, okay, but what I'm thinking is, why in the hell would anybody make skinny jeans for somebody my size? Nobody my size needs to be wearing skinny jeans. That's, so that I is told absolutely the lady, true. you need to take these off the shelf because it's, a, it's just not cool. Well, and the people, I'm sure the people at Kohl's appreciated all your input. <laughs> they did. They did. As I came stumbling out yeah. of the dressing room. Because normally I'm still one of those people that I have to go show my clothes to my wife if I try them on. But, um, right. So I came around with the pants around my ankles. Because you couldn't get them over your child's I could not go back and to And after how it looked. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just look. Yeah. Perfect. Just an aside there. Yeah. yeah. All right. So it was not long before um, Edmund was preaching to the good folks of Corvallis. Now, 30 years old, he quickly established himself as the town's most eligible bachelor. That would think. Women of all ages would cook him dinner and bake him pies, Colonel. What do you think now, that? I, here's what I want to know. Now, Devil, if you found out somebody's packing 13 and a half, would that get you to cook? No. I mean, not even that. Not even that. No, I need somebody to come in and clean my house. I, you know, I can, so, I can get dick anywhere. So what you need is somebody to clean up. I can buy that shit at <laughs> Hustler. If you can find a guy that comes over and cleans the house and carries Percocet. Now that's different. That's who you want. Oh, that's, that's, okay. a, that's the man. <laughs> carries Percocet. Sure. <laughs> All right. So uh, even the married women, Brandy, of the congregation would fawn over Edmund. Oh, I don't understand. He is said his uh, female admirers range in, in the age of from 13 to 85. Is he, he sleeping with all of them? No, no, no. He, and these are his admirers. Not even sleeping all of them. You know, um, don't dismiss those 85 year old women so quickly. Well, there's a lot of attractive 85 year old women. Yeah, there are. Are there? Yeah. For you? 
No, of course not for me. But <laughs> oh, no. Clearly. Go ahead. All right. Um, they became transfixed whenever he would deliver a sermon. So he had the gift of, <laughs> the gift of speaking. Yes, gift of gab, Timmy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the small church of Christ grew from 78 members to 166 members in the course of three months. Even though Edmund seemed universally loved by the women of the congregation, the men were a bit more skeptical. The men of the uh, congregation were more especially skeptical, skeptical when Edmund started preaching that women should not respect their husbands, and if they did, they were sinners. Their husbands were sinners, or the no, women no, were the sinners? Women, no, they should not respect their husbands because they were sinners. The he, was, yeah. he was trying to turn the women against the men. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Now you don't even have to work that hard to do it. They seem to be lined up against us anyway. But or at least in my house, but <clears throat> Wait, there's only one of them there. So how big is that line? It's a it's a mean, evil, ugly line, devil. That's all I'm saying. In fact, Edmund told the ladies, Colonel, it was their duty to deny their husbands pleasure of the flesh if their husbands were not right with God. Well, that probably did not go over well. That does not. No, I would not go to that church. <laughs> I would not be tithing there, Timmy. <laughs> and being right with God, according to Edmund, uh, meant doing anything God's representative on earth directed him to do, and that was Edmund. Edmund. Yes. He proclaimed he was God's representative on earth, and the ladies should not lay down with their husbands without his consent. Sounds like a good plan so far if you're Edmund. What? Yeah. <laughs> if you're so, Edmund, So you've got to get permission from this short little guy with a big dick yeah. before you lay down Lucky. with your husband. Lucky, sure, before you have sex with your if husband. If he's only 5'6", I'm just trying to do... I can't remember geometry, but if he's 5'6", and it's 14 inches, <laughs> is that some bitch dragging the ground when he walks? <laughs> He's got to tie it to his yeah, leg. No photo was some string. Okay. So the women of the congregation started denying their husband's sex for the slightest infraction or sin, Brandy. <laughs> if the man, if their man cursed, like that don't happen now. <laughs> if a man, if their man cursed, drank, or worked on Sunday, the wife would stop cooking and doing chores. Good if, for them. If their husband would say a cross word about the beloved Reverend. Crayfield, the women were to deny their husbands the pleasures in the bedroom. What do you think about that, Brandy? Good for them. You know, I don't get to stop working on Sunday because I, and Dr. Phil said this, and if I ever see him, I'm kicking his ass. Did he? Um, yeah, because he said, he did a show and he was talking to a couple and he's like, you know, sex is not a reward. No, it isn't. I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> if sex ain't a reward, my grass ain't getting covered. I ain't painting nothing. I ain't fixing nothing. I'm laying on the damn couch and watching football. That's what I'm doing on Sunday. Yeah. Well, Dr. But Phil's high most of the time. I do not sure. like Dr. Phil. All right. So these decrees did not set well with the elders of the church, mostly older married men. And in November of 1903, Edmund was invited to leave the church. How do you invite somebody to leave? I think they told him to get the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> he was excommunicated. I'm going to invite you to just go on ahead out of here. <laughs> you ever been kicked out of a church? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Have you ever been to church? No. Okay. <laughs> I, have, I have, in fact, been kicked out of a church in the middle of a sermon. 
I, <laughs> I almost threw up in the middle of a sermon. It was like my I, wife that kicked me out. Well, not the preachers. But. You know, I, I have to drop Noah off at this little church thing on Wednesdays, and, you know, I don't, I'm not a big churchgoer. Clearly. Shocking. But there's a thing there, and I think it's a tithing plate, but every time I see it, I want to, it looks like an ashtray. Mm-hmm. And so it's amazing. I keep wanting to add, tip a cigarette in it every time I walk in there. Cause it's, just, a cigarette out. it's what it looks like. It looks like, well, a, it's a, looks like an ashtray on a pedestal. I'll follow your typical pattern of blasphemy. You know, if you take money out of the train, they never pass it around to you again. <laughs> you know, I, I may do that. I, I'm just happy that the church stands when I drop Noah off. I have to no. drop him off outside, and I just get him in there, and then I have to go. It's uncomfortable. I feel, I feel like I'm being judged. You are. Hardly. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And the thing is, the person, one of the people judging me has a friggin' mullet. Like a permed, business in front, party in the back mullet. But she cannot, she cannot oh, judge so me. She. Oh, yeah, she is. <clears throat> But she might be carrying on God's will during the week as opposed to you. Do you think that God told her to get that hairstyle? I do not know her conversation. Because I can't figure God. out who doesn't love her that would actually do that to her. There's no hairstylist in the world. I've had a 20-minute conversation about this with my girlfriend. I don't... Who does that yeah, to you? Maybe I, she cuts it herself. Well, she'd have to with, like, shears. <laughs> Broken beer bottle. Like. It's bad. It's a bad scene. She cannot judge me. Not to be deterred, Brandy. Okay. (laughs) Edmund started his own church. And he invited his female admirers to join him. There you go. By December of 1903, most of the members had broken off from the local church and started following Crayfield and his unique brand of Christian uh, holiness. (laughs) So most of the members of the local Salvation Army were members of the, um, uh, the, or friends of the Hurt family, which was a long-standing family, very established in the community. Uh, one of, of uh, Crayfield's most admiring supporters was a man named Orlando Victor, or, as he's known, O.V. Hurt. O.V.? O.G.? O.V. Hurt. I think we have a slide of the Hurt family. They were prominent in the community, and they, they gave their support to Crayfield, and it gave him a, a you know, degree of legitimacy. From the Hurt family, there was uh, O.V., the head of household, and his wife, Sarah, their son, Frank, and he had two daughters, Maud and May. And this guy was going to bang all of them. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. They, were, they had a large home, and they invited... Um, uh, Crayfield to set up um, his sect or his church and as a, use their house as his headquarters. O.V. was 45 years old. In 1903, he was the head salesman at the Klein Merchantile, and he was the Republican Party State Committeeman in that area. He and his wife, uh, Sarah, who was 42, had been married 23 years and um, both of her daughters, Maud and May, were really taken with Edmund. Well, yeah. Yeah. And although... That's the, my, see, a lot of this, you have to remember, happened when people used to take baths and stuff in public. So, word got around. Didn't oh, you about Lucky? Watch, <clears throat> yeah, you didn't watch, like, Clint Eastwood movies and stuff when he's the... You go to the barber and you take the bath and they bring you hot water and... Yeah. They have... 
indoor showers, you had to take a bath and shower outside. So everybody knew about Lucky. What does <laughs> I'm just telling you. You think he sold tickets to watch him? Huh? Do you think he sold tickets? No, but word got around. It's a small town. So they, so they don't bathe in the bathtub inside. They just bathe in a trough. Heavy, trough it's outside. like the Cialis commercials, like that you see them over the hill. <laughs> the people, that's how they used to take baths. Is it? Yeah, they used to bring hot water out. And did, did they? Yeah, lucky just flop it over the side. <laughs> 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 just pour some hot water on him. So. Yeah, the word got around about Lucky. That's how he got so yes, popular. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think um, you're full of shit. Of the, of, his, uh, of the daughters, though, the two daughters, Maud and May, Maud was the most fanatical. And she was a bit, always, she had always been a bit strange. I think we got a Ooh. slide of Maud. That's not so bad. Yeah, she was engaged this time to a guy who repelled, repaired bicycles. I didn't have a whole lot on him, but. Oh, he's moving up. Yeah. Now, she was 23 in 1903. Her father had always assumed that her odd manner was somehow the result of severe typhoid and scarlet fevers that she suffered as a child. Will that do that, Colonel? It will. Okay. It will. But no matter. He's, it was, <laughs> thank you for that it confirmation. Causes, no, it causes a lot of things right. later in life, yeah. Does it? It can cause you heart issues, nymphomania. Cause your gallbladder to go bad, mental illness, <laughs> all kinds of things. You don't want to get scarlet. And you get it, public service announcement, you get that from getting strep throat and not getting it treated. Turns into scarlet fever. That's amazing. Well, the more you know. <laughs> Maud had been to Mary, or had been engaged to a man who operated a bicycle repair shop, but she broke off the engagement after she met Edmund. She made it clear that she intended to marry Edmund and give birth to the, our next savior. So she had pretty high hopes. Huh? <laughs> is, so is she touched? Is that, well, is yeah, that she had we the gather? scarlet fever. <laughs> that doesn't make her touched. <laughs> yeah, the scarlet fever. She, you know, she was always been a bit odd. Well, I, that's what I'm wondering. Did that make her a little bit slow? Maybe. Huh. Don't judge. Don't judge. Oh, I'm judging the hell out of this. Sounds a little judgmental. First of all, who do you think you are that you're just going to give birth to the next savior? Like, well, honestly. Mary? Maybe Mary? Well, Mary didn't know she was <clears throat> giving birth to the next savior. I think she had a clue. You think? So, well, I think she may have had a clue. Someone's up. If she was the Virgin Mary and she had a baby. Well, I don't know what sex ed was like back in Bethlehem and <laughs> whenever the hell. I mean, she I, just may I have thought that was a thing. I think they knew the basics. No, well, maybe she just kissed Joseph, and she thought that was a thing. You don't know. Or, mm. Of course you do know, You're so tell me about it. You're blaspheming again. Could you stop? I'm not blaspheming. Shut up. I'm just saying, don't invoke Mary into this. That's all I'm asking. The whole fucking story is about this lady wants to be the next Mary. <laughs> I don't... Meanwhile... Don't. Oh. The Salvation Army became increasingly concerned when it started to lose its members to Edmund's Crapeville's new sect. They were concerned about their members Damn and right. not about his members. <laughs> Somebody got to be outside the grocery store ringing that bell. Yeah. The leaders of the Salvation Army were so concerned about losing financial support from the Hurt family that the Hurt family, because the Hurt family was very... 
Are we gonna like blow up or something? <laughs> I'm not running. I'm, I'm not, I'm not dressed, running if that's what we have to do. I'm not at this dressed point. for a tragedy. You're not. Uh, <laughs> the um, perfect. So the, they were they were concerned because the Hurt family was very supportive of the Salvation Army. So um, they uh, they in wake in the wake of mass defections, they sent their captain because you know they have it's an army, right? Well, it is an army, right? Captain Charles Brooks, Colonel. They sent him to Corvallis to win back the congregation. But after attending one of Edmund Crayfield's meetings, Captain Charles Brooks was so mesmerized by Edmund Crayfield and his prophecies that he converted on the spot. Brandy? Perfect. He left the Salvation Army? I, you know what I don't like about the Salvation Army? And, and I want to be, you know, but you come out and you, you, you know, they, they're ringing the bell and everything. And, you know, I, I like to donate. But sometimes you only got like a 10. There's no change. Yeah, you say, hey, you, give, you got change? Give me $9 back or whatever. Act like you're an ass. See, well. I mean, you're better off just walking right past them, just saying, no, I ain't got no money. But you want to give them money, but you got a $10 bill. And I don't, I, I'm not trying to give the Salvation Army $10. I'd give them $10, quit ringing that fucking bell. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Just but. for a minute. Okay, cheap bastard. Okay. <laughs> Charles Brooks. I got other armies I got to give to. <laughs> Charles Brooks would soon become Edmund Craigfield's right hand man. It was, no, it was noted in the community. Are you okay there? Are you dying? Or yes. You want to drink a water? <laughs> you okay there, Doc Holliday? What? <laughs> what was the job of the right hand man? <laughs> <laughs> Don't judge. <laughs> yeah, I'm judging. <laughs> it was noted in the community that when it, be, uh, when it came to Edmund Crayfield, Captain Brooks seemed to be smitten like a schoolgirl. Ew. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So Brandy is going to tell us what happens next. Yeah, okay. Edmund named his now sect the Brides of the Church of Christ. And it was based on the belief that the new, new savior shall be born and deliver the world from its sins. I need a cult. But before a new savior could be born, there needed to be a new member of Christ, a new mother of Christ. He obviously had the member of Christ. That's my bad. <laughs> Again, with the blasphemy. Yeah. Yeah, you need to worry about me. Yeah, well, yeah, you do. No, you need to worry about you. We know where you're going. <laughs> so do I. A woman uniquely blessed to deliver to the world a child who would bring salvation. Uh, that woman, obviously, would be chosen by God's own representative on earth, Edmund Crayfield. He preached a bizarre brand of observance of the scripture, which mixed ultra-liberal and fringe interpretations of the Bible, compromised human sympathy, shrinking from persecutions, lowering God's standards a little, yeah. Just a wee bit. Just a wee bit. <laughs> Tone it down a bit. They're way up here. Yeah. We're going to have to bring those down a little. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> letting down the bars. I don't even know what that means. Oh, here you go, Timmy. I think he cut it back to like four commandments, too. Did he? Just for you. I think you just made that up. <laughs> but here, here, Timmy, mm -hmm. you have to give lust a chance to creep in. That's I agree with that. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Timmy got a vow for lust. He ain't got to let it creep in. Uh, he 
wrote in one of his articles um, to try and get people to, I don't know what this even means, so I'm going to skip it. And yet, his lust seemed to be okay. Women were encouraged to walk around as naked as Eve in his presence, but only in his presence. Women were told never to show their bodies to anyone but Crayfield, and they were to cover themselves even in the presence of their husbands. What do you think about that, Chuck? Seems reasonable if you're him. Well, yeah, clearly he's making this I mean, all this about is him. the blueprint for my new church, so yeah, this is going to be part of our doctrine. Yeah. Um, when other men were around, including their husbands, women were encouraged to dress, to dress modestly. Oh, or wear a burlap sack to cover their bodies. <laughs> That's oh, modest enough. Those are itchy. Those are hard to pull off. It's hard to look good in a burlap sack. Yeah, I could do it. <laughs> Crayfield's followers prayed laid out. Okay, so they prayed laid out. They prayed face down on the floor, usually naked. <laughs> I, mean, I, I prayed like that quite a number of times. <laughs> Please, sweet Jesus. <laughs> Please. Please. Let this be over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. They were occasionally... They occasionally were, would be rolling over in a sort of power grovel, hence the term holy roller, which started with this very group. So hmm. there's to that. The more you know. <laughs> uh, their church services were loud, sincere, and disruptive to the neighbors. I can't even imagine. <laughs> full of wailing and gnashing of teeth. I don't think those people had all that many teeth. Yes, that's the focus here. That's yeah. the focus. Gnashing of tooth. <laughs> tooth they would, yeah. <laughs> can you gnash a tooth? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and they would last for hours on end, dragging into the night into the small hours of the morning. Corvallis residents at first got along reasonably well with their new freakishly hyper-holy neighbors. That seems a bit judgy. But things started to turn sour within a few months. The main reason was Crayfield taught that believers were to have nothing to do with unbelievers. That meant if a man or a woman joined the group, he or she was to cut off contact with any family members who had not also joined. Yeah, well, so now that's, kind of that's worth joining in itself. Can't have no contact with family members? Sign me up. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Renee would be running to this guy <laughs> yeah, with open that. arms. Not because right. she couldn't see the boys. Mm. I mean, I don't particularly care if I see any, except for Rudy, if I can bring Rudy with me, but... But now it's turning more into a cult. Only if Rudy is a girl dog. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's always naked, though. Okay. <laughs> huh. So think, think about that for a minute. I don't need to. <laughs> I can't. Now, see, now. Uh. Okay, so here's, here's how it worked out in Corvallis. A married couple would join the church... And after a while, the husband would get tired of the, the extreme self-denial and subjugation of, to the will of Crayfield. And then he would start to drift off. But for the wife, um, they were in. They were just all in. So um, the restrictions of the church would bother her much less than they would bother the husband. And she would see no reason to leave. He, however, would find it intolerable and quit going to services. Um, and then at some point, she would just identify him as a non-believer and cut him off. If there were children involved, they would either stay in the church or be cut off from their father or leave the church and be abandoned by their mother. So, you know, this is dysfunctional anyway. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's becoming a cough now. Again, you seem judgy. <laughs> I, again, have we met? Of course I'm judging this. Well, I'm just saying, when, I, when the Church of the Colonel starts. No. Yeah. No. Shut your shit down. Soon, Crayfield had a reputation for breaking up homes and a flock consisting largely of women, women who would actively avoid their infidel family members. Not that, Colonel. (laughs) I didn't know. Infidel, I thought was something else, so I'm not going to... I don't know what an infidel is. (laughs) Really? How interesting. I'm going to let that one go. Continue, we have a very diverse crowd here. I don't want to get into infidels. Huh. And sinners. Oh, good. Because that, that would be most of our crowd. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, let's see. It also bothered the rest of the community that Crayfield's cult members were living in a communal house with women and men together. Moreover, their simple clothing consisted of a plain cloth wrapper which one source recounts was similar to a bathrobe. The outsiders felt it was inadequate to protect female modesty, and in any case, looked entirely too easy to take off, which was the point. Sure. Duh. By itself, the communal living arrangement would have been bad enough, but Crayfield's followers combined it with a mania for secrecy that all but invited other community members to fear the worst. Members vanished from their family's lives into a locked house with barred windows, supervised only by the cult leader and his cronies. Things got worse. Following yet another pattern that would become all too familiar to the world in later decades, like David Koresh and Jim Jones and all the the biggies, uh, the lack of contact with the outside world and the unstinting adoration of his flock started doing things to the mind of the cult's leader. You have a flock, Colonel. I just, I have a follower, mm-hmm. but You have soon, one. I have one, but <laughs> soon, soon I will have a flock. You think? And then I will it's get a, a flock gaggle. Two? Then I will get a gaggle. And that was three. I believe so. As long as you have a plan. I, dude, I'm 53. I only need like three. I can't go more than that. So three is plenty for me. I can only, I only can have three women that I can disappoint at one time. (laughs) Yeah, if that's the case, you've hit gaggle status. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's see. Um, Crayfield's message got increasingly unbiblical as he claimed he was receiving instructions directly from God himself. He promoted himself from the second Joshua to the second Elijah. How the fuck's that a promotion? I don't understand. Have you ever read the Bible? No, not all. Oh, well, then, if you not were all the reading, way. you'd understand why that was a Look, promotion. So just keep reading on. Do I, you? I ain't got time to explain all this stuff to you. Oh, you got Go nothing. to church once in a while. Wait a minute. Okay? Go to church once in a while. Maybe you pick up the good book, and maybe you will learn some of this. But I cannot. I'm not wasting their time explaining all this. Oh, no, no, no. Just go to damn church. That's I'm curious. I'm curious, please explain the difference to me. I mean, we got nothing but time. We got this theater for next, I don't know how many hours. So please impart your wisdom on me. Joshua was a much higher angel than Elijah. Joshua was an angel? Yeah. If you read the damn Bible, you would know this. I see. He says it with such confidence. He does. (laughs) Read it. Pick it up. It's in Corinthians. Is it? Damn right it is. It's in Corinthians. Mm Mm-hmm. 
What, the, what? the Pedro, I thought. <laughs> Corinthian letters? <laughs> <laughs> it's a Corinthian letters. Oh. Not the Corinthian leathers. Excellent. Yeah. I don't... Like I Roberto Matabon. Yeah. So, but Elijah was a much higher angel than Joshua. If you would read the good book once in a while. Read the Bible. Put down, that, put down those people magazines. <laughs> Just move on, all right? Your biblical ignorance has been exposed. Your heathenness yes. has been shown to the world. Now just move on. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's what they see sitting up here is my biblical ignorance. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Crayfield's followers proceeded to burn all the possessions in the home, including furniture, art, instruments. Oh, a cat and a dog. Why the fuck <laughs> they got to burn the animals? That's shitty. So they that's burned down everything in the house, and the thing that's bothering you is the cat. Oh, I don't know. The cat and the dog. Why do they got to burn that? I don't care if they burn their shit. The cat may have had it coming. Now, the dog might have been nice, but the cat... <laughs> the, the Mitchell family uh, is also integral to the story as a young Esther Mitchell, just 15 years old in 1903, was one of the sex sect most voracious supporters. Her family was horrified by this and tried many methods to break her what they viewed as a cult. From what, yeah, from what they viewed as a cult. Her brother George and her older sister Phoebe worked to break her off from Craftfield's influence, but to no avail. The rumors grew in town that free love was being practiced in the Holy Rollers compound in O.V. Hertz's house. What do you have free love, Colonel? Huh? What do you think about free love? It's better than when they take a $250 deposit, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, can't do better than free love. <laughs> you ain't got a tip, free love. Are you sure? <laughs> just, just a tip. Just a tip, just for a minute. Uh, a charge that was undoubtedly true, as Edmund Crefield was indeed having relations with more, with more than one female member. <sighs> Under pressure from the community, O.V. kicked Crefield and his followers out of the house, which for a short time diffused the growing tensions. The sect became so unwanted in the town that even Cor the Corvallis Gazette openly threatened them. This is a very prominent newspaper in Corvallis. I bet it's the only one. <laughs> That's why it's prominent. That's why that would have to be. Uh, saying in a December 1903 editorial, events are likely to occur in the next few days if the Holy Rollers become in any way aggressive that will put a stop to any further proceedings on their part. Mr. Crefield will be provided with a nice warm coat that will fit him as closely as paper on the wall. Okay, so it was a veiled threat from the newspaper. So what are they going to do? Well, read. Oh, oh. And put a little life into this. Could you? I mean, fuck off. From, no, I mean, <laughs> read from your diaphragm. Timmy's working on this. My Timmy diaphragm has nothing to do with this. <laughs> Try to bring Mr. Walton's word to life here. I mean, Walton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Walton Bond. Try to bring Mr. Thoreau's words over here. The on Walden Pond, is that Walden what you fucking said? Like on, on, on Walden Pond. On Walden Pond? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a great movie. It was a great movie. It doesn't read much like a threat uh, in 2017, but in 1903, here we go, it was a clear call to tar and feather him. Mm. And there's a slide for that. Good tar and feathering. Yes. Love that. All right. You know, I never understood why they used the feathers. 
seems to add insult to injury. I think a tar would be enough. That's pretty easy to pick the feathers out, but you get that tar all over you. Look, feathers are the least of your problems at that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then on Monday, January 4th, 1904, oh, they tarred and feathered him. They did it. Yeah, perfect. Not just him, but his right-hand man, Charles Brooks, the Salvation Army captain. It's what you get for being the right hand. Uh, who was sent to Corvallis to combat Crayfield, uh, only to be won over by him, who had then been, you know, he came to train him. Uh, both of them were accosted by a mob. Edwin was given three coats of tar and a generous amount of feathers, uh, while Charles Brooks was only... He just got one coat. Well, he just got it on his head. <laughs> <laughs> What? You know, if they would have slicked it back beforehand, it might, he might have been able to get it to work for like six months. <laughs> they also gave a lot of, they paid a lot of attention tarring feathering Lucky during the civil. Oh, yeah. They had to bring Lucky. in another vat of tar. <laughs> That's a lot of feathers. Lucky had a perma condom. God. Lucky never needed another condom again. They tarred him so well. So, so after... Ew. <laughs> uh, so after they tarred and feathered him, uh, they ordered him out of town, and they uh, obliged. But just before leaving, Crayfield read all yeah, over. When you're you're leaving town, it's okay. You're tarred and you're feathered, and you're you know you catch the next train out of town. Yeah. It's when you show up to the next town, tarred and feathered. You know. They question that. <laughs> they do. <Yeah. laughs> It's, it's hard to slip in unnoticed. Right, when right. I mean, you're checking it. You're yeah. checking into the Hilton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the question. On the train, he's sitting there, tarred and feathered. I have questions about that. Well, if he had clothes on, he'd have been over like, the tar and the feathers. The tar and feathers so then you yeah. just look like a chicken in pants. Well, and I think that's but Charles. <laughs> but Charles Brooks had his head tarred and feathered. Yeah. Well, he could have put a hat on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a Dodger's hat would have covered that right up. Pirate's hat. You do, well, everybody needs a pirate's hat. Yeah. All right, so they leave town, but before vacating, Crefield read all over from scouring and still reeking of turpentine and pine tar, would marry Maud Hurt. Oh, man, it must take a lot to get that tar and feather off. I, mean, I think you just got to let it wear off, or you can just... I think you use turpentine. Fire. You set it on fire? <laughs> set by a fire. <laughs> just let it warm up real good and then roll it off of you. That's fucked up. Uh, he has experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's in the first book of Corinthians. Uh, let's see. So he marries Maud Hurt in a rush ceremony at the courthouse in Albany, witnessed only by Frank Hurt and his wife, Molly. Yeah, okay, so the crazy lady marries him. Wasn't he already married? No, 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 no. No, no, no he, he married Maud. He married Maud Hurt. What the fuck is she wearing on her head? <laughs> I don't know. No, 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 no. But he already had a wife of like 23 years. Did she die? That's not, that's not clear to me. No, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, do, you, do you follow along at all? <laughs> I mean, did you just walk do you, in this fucking it, theater? What did you do? Dude, it Have says that he this? was married. But okay, you know what? Fine. He wasn't married? I, okay. Did, it, did anybody out there get that he was married? Just right. you, Brandy. Okay. <laughs> right, so. Thank you. Thank you. I thought this, he was married. This is the kind of shit we deal with every day. This is why we are in the top 
1100 on <laughs> iTunes, okay? Because we have such a level of professionalism here. Also, I'm bitch been married for 23 years. You know what? All right, okay. cocksucker, when I find that shit, I'm going to highlight it. <laughs> <clears throat> That's fine. Okay, so he marries this chick with shit on her head. <laughs> Whatever. All right, so they did blah, blah, blah. See, you made me lose my goddamn spot. Oh, yeah. It's all right. like you were really focused to begin with. I'm there. All right, so now we've, we've moved on. We're in March 1904. A devotee named Donna Starr, who was Maude Hurt's aunt, had sex in Portland with Crayfield in what appears to have been a purification ritual. <laughs> Perfect. Her it's husband. Important. What? That's important. Well, I guess. You gotta purify. Hmm? You do. You gotta purify. You do. You got to purify. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, her husband, Burgess Starr, sweet, filed a criminal. Nice name. It is a lovely name. Filed a criminal complaint of adultery. And Donna signed an affidavit declaring that she and Crayfield had improper relations of the most revolting <laughs> kind. <'Cause he's> <laughs> That's every relation yeah. I've ever had. <laughs> well, he still had tar on it, so well, that was not cool. But she does what, you know, somebody gets caught in a, you know, caught having an affair with, oh, it was disgusting. Is that shit illegal? <laughs> well, evidently at the time it was. Yeah, adultery was at the time. Is it not? Is it now? Well, it's probably missed on the book. For you, it is. I'm, no, I'm just asking for a friend. For a friend? <laughs> yeah. Let's get an opinion from Renee. Yeah. Will, no, yeah. she's no. not a lawyer. You know what the thing is? She doesn't care. As long as he fixes the sink and whatever yeah. else, it doesn't matter as long as it gets him out of the house. Um, but yeah. Uh, we can ask Nicola. She's here, right? <laughs> I Nicola, don't think it's the lawyer. same. Is that illegal in Scotland? Is that illegal? Can you get thrown in jail for adultery in Scotland? Okay, so your figure is pretty cool here too, then. Okay. That's why I have a lot of sex in Scotland. <laughs> They're like bunnies, man. No, they have a lot of sex because they wear those cool skirts, and all you have to do is lift them up. The kilts. Oh yeah. That's the way to do it. You ever wore a kilt? Huh? Have you ever wore a kilt? I have not worn a kilt, but I have worn a skirt on a number of occasions. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Oh, that little sequin number he's I got, got. I got the calves for it. <laughs> Did you? Oh, yeah. Truck stop will never be the same, will it? <laughs> no, it won't. All right. So, so she, goes, she goes to the police, and, of course, she's telling her husband, well, it was disgusting. Right. You're the best ever. Yeah. Clearly. It was revolting. It was revolting. I was, was revolted. It was It was I was revolted five or six times. <laughs> disgusting. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Press accounts said Donna uh, was only one of 10 to 15 other women and girls whose participation as a bride of Christ meant consummating a physical relationship here on earth with Crayfield. Adultery, okay, so we've got over this. Adultery was a criminal offense, um, and Edmund went into hiding from the police. John Manning, Maltima County District Attorney, issued a, an arrest warrant and a statewide search for Edmund ensued. You got Mounties looking for this motherfucker just because he's screwing around. He's banging yeah. every half the women in See, Oregon. Seems like a poor use of public funds. We've got a 13 and a half inch Tari Pecker. I mean, of course. It's, With feathers. He's breaking some kind of local ordinance there. <laughs> so. You know what? 
I bet they got more. People are being murdered. Yeah, but. There's horse thieving, cattle yeah. rustling. Seriously? Uh, many of Crayfield's followers began to spend their days lying on the floor face down, praying for his return and claiming to receive messages for God, calling for Edmund's deliverance. They were loyal. They did who? They were loyal to him. I see that. That's weird. Uh, worried friends and family petitioned judges to have them committed to the asylum, and a lot were. Those over 18 years old were sent to the Oregon State Insane Asylum in Salem, and those who were younger were sent to the Boys and Girls AIDS Society in Portland. Meanwhile, Edmund just simply disappeared, or so it seems, and at this point, O.V. Hurt had become disillusioned, and with Crayfield, I'm sorry, had become disillusioned with Crayfield and offered a $500 reward for Edmund's capture and arrest. What O.V. Hurt didn't realize was that, <laughs> what O.V. Hurt didn't realize was that Edmund had been living under his house the entire time. <laughs> you have to go somewhere. You have to live somewhere. How the fuck do you not notice that shit? <laughs> How far up your ass does your head need to be to not know well, I mean, that there's somebody other, living under your house? How do you check under your house? <laughs> the best part was his daughter would be like talking to him <laughs> yeah. under the floor. Is that in here? So you just gave that away? Yeah, I just gave it away. Why would you do that? Because <laughs> it's funny and Which I really Which part get of skip should we skip now? <laughs> Continue, Brandy. I'm sorry. <laughs> he had been under Ovi's nose, literally stinking, filthy, and naked living in a six-foot pit he dug out for himself under the house. <laughs> so, not, not only do you not know this motherfucker's living down here, but he's dug a hole for himself. I think there's a lot happening there. I, I've lived in worse places. <laughs> what the hell? You ain't never lived in a cave? Not on purpose. <laughs> oh shit, okay. <laughs> For a while. Everyone has to be somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> For a while, he was being secretly fed by Sarah, <laughs> the, the matron of the house. His fucking wife is feeding him. Yeah. <laughs> his wife is feeding this naked, stinking guy under the floorboard. And why, he doesn't notice. Why, why couldn't she have given him a bath and some clothes while he was at work? Just throw some water down yeah. there. <laughs> oh my God, hold on. Okay. Get yourself together. Be professional. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you would have read this beforehand, you would not be so taken aback right now. <laughs> But it wouldn't be nearly as much fun. <laughs> Sorry. So she was then bundled off to a mental institution. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. This motherfucker's living in a in a pit under the house, naked, and on whatever hands uh, and they send her to the mental institution. Huh? Partly because she'd been seen talking to herself. <laughs> she was talking down. She was talking into the floor. 
She's talking to Edmund, but they thought she was like so. She gets carted off. <laughs> Just trying um, to do a good deed. And it's another up. and another member moved in there, and Cora, and she was secretly feeding him until she moved away. Uh, so now he's a poor, hungry, naked son bitch living in a hole. <sighs> he's like Gollum. <laughs> um, You okay? Are you going to be able to compose yourself? Jesus, I'm never doing a live show again. No, not with her. Not with her. I don't. Okay. Well, just tell me when you're ready, devil. Go ahead. Okay. We never have this problem with Deadball. No, we don't. No, we don't. That way it's just us. Now... This, this guy's nearly starved. Now, Edmund, he's arrested and charged with adultery, right? Somebody finally figured out he was down there. And on Friday, September 16th, Edmund Crefield, he was tried by Judge Alfred Sears, who would later would go on to start the Sears and Roebuck Company. And that's not true. Yeah, <laughs> it's not interesting, and it adds yeah. to the story, but totally, you totally The key witness up. for the prosecution was a lady named Donna Starr, whose great-grandpa would later go on to investigate Clinton's Ken Star as a special investigator. not true either. It could be true. We don't know that. We do. Um, Donna Star testified that her baby... No, that's not. Read it again. Donna Star testified her baby sitting in her lap that she had committed adultery. What do you think about that, Brandy? Yeah, keep laughing now. It's not so funny anymore, is it? It's not, yeah. Chuckle about that, devil. What the hell do I care? (laughs) But, but, now, she says she was inspired by God to do so. And who amongst us has not? So, (laughs) she was inspired by God to do so for the purging of the souls of my devils. She said she did not regret it in the least. She knew it was right and that she acted of her own free will. Volition, Timmy. Nice word. Thank you. Plus, did she mention that he had 13 and a half 13 inches? 13 and a half. Yeah, he was packing. Gotcha. Now, Edmund uh, was found guilty and sentenced to two years in the Oregon State Penitentiary, where hopefully, hopefully he was not aggressive to the other inmates. Um, now, while in prison, Crefield claimed that God spoke to him and told him that Edward Crefield was dead and he must now go by the name Joshua II. The superior angel, devil. I thought Elijah was the superior angel. Edmund said that God had told him that he must gather his flock and procreate with the women of his sect until the next savior was conceived. Yeah, he said he was going to use God as his lawyer. Yeah, God as his lawyer. He's going to do what? God was going to be his lawyer. There have been times (laughs) where even if I had God as a lawyer, I would have been found guilty. (laughs) Oh, God. There was just God. no getting out. But anyway. There's a God as lawyer slide. He serves so, yeah. 18 months in prison. Um, he, he's released. He goes about his business of reuniting his congregation. All now, God got him was 18 months. 18 months. Now, God's most, a shit lawyer. Well, no. He, he could have got life. God got him a sweet deal, some community service in 18 months. And an ankle bracelet? Don't blaspheme me. I told you. Yes. So anyway, he serves his 18 months in prison. He's doing his, he's out by the side of the road picking up trash, doing his community service. Um, 
anyone about putting his congregation back together. And by this time, luckily, most have been released from the insane asylum. So he tells the members uh, of his visions of God and directs them to refer to him now as Joshua. He knew for his church to flourish, he would need to take his flock somewhere else where they did not tar and feather your ass so quickly. <laughs> Edmund decided on a little island just northwest of Corvallis called Smith Island. The location was ideal because it was secluded and reached by a ferry. The obstacle that he had and his flock had to overcome was that it was a home of a large hobo population. <laughs> That's a problem. Wait a minute, how does the train get there? <laughs> now, now, he knew through no, <laughs> hobos can take the ferry. They're, they they're, had a logistics person yeah. working. Yeah. Oh, hobos okay. We'll jump okay. on the ferry. Just checking. They'd hang on to the side. It was yes. going across. It's Hobo Island? Yeah, Hobo so Island. anyway, okay. um, he knew that through his travels at Hobos, are, you know, they're rapey. a little reluctant, they're a little rapey, and, and, and they were reluctant to leave this island on their own accord. So he develops a plan. He gets these ladies, you know, and, and women, I don't know, another medical fact, I don't know if you know this Oh, please. Women who tend to hang out together for a long period of time, they start to cycle at the same time, right? So Edmund waits, until all these women got PMS. He and does. then he gives them a bunch of, no, that's a true story. What the fuck? He gives them a bunch of sticks. That's to dangerous. Go beat the hell out of the hobos. <laughs> yeah. They dress like men, they carry clubs, they invade Hobo Island at night, and they start beating the hobos as they sleep by their campfires. Now, the hobos, so you got women with PMS. Dressed like men beating the hell out of hobos here. And the hobos, they're so startled that they thought, what the hell? They thought they were pinker detectives and they just started running for their safety. Now Edmund, he leaves a small boat docked at the pier. The hobos made their escape in it, leaving Smith Island to the members of the Bride of Christ Church. The hobos would never go back because they had been beaten by women dressed as men what? So, yeah. That now, is hold, not in the script. Timmy, it is right here. The women of the group dressed in drag. What does that mean? What does that mean? They dressed in drag. That doesn't mean lesbian, you fucking they idiot. Just, hold, on. <laughs> hold on. I'm going to need a ruling on this. Now, if I dress up in a skirt, if I dress up as a woman, you're saying that's dressed in drag. Uh -huh. So if the women are dressed in drag, they got to be dressed like men. Okay. That doesn't make them lesbians. Where did I say lesbian? Did he say lesbian? <laughs> he did, like six like times. Like eight times, yeah. <laughs> I did not say lesbian. Yeah, you did, you old bastard. Did I say lesbian? Yeah. I might have oh, slipped out. But it might have slipped out. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus anyway. Christ. So now That's why we have a script. Trip. You know what? I... I can you not butcher the you, script? You've lost me on this, and I, and I believe you've... No, the hobos are thing. gone. The hobos are gone. They've cleared yeah. Hobo Island. Um, at this point in the show, to try to add a little bit of class to this show, which is beyond repair right now, um, I'm, I'm going to ask somebody that's got a little bit of class if she could come up here and help me out. Um, is she back there? What is he doing? Could you come I up here? Know. It's off script, and I don't like it. 
Nina Instead from Already Gone. She's going to class this up for us and make it a, make it a real podcast here. We're right here, Miss Nina. You're very optimistic. Well, <laughs> you, can, you can't do worse than me because I don't even remember saying lesbian. <laughs> I just said they were in drag. No, you said lesbian. <laughs> for hours, Creffield kept his flock in a state of frenzied excitement. He had them rolling on the ground, naked, praying, rolling, wailing, rolling, groaning, rolling, singing, rolling, <laughs> clapping, rolling, stomping, rolling, tumbling, rolling and rolling and rolling. I'm, wait a minute. A little, a little slower. A little slower. No, I'm confused. I'm confused. <laughs> I'm were they rolling? It appears they were rumbling. No, they were rolling, tumbling, rolling, and rolling, and rolling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're going to get chiggers. You see why I brought her up there. <laughs> For hours on end, he had them rolling. <laughs> 12 hours if it was a short service, 24 hours if it was a typical service, and all heads were spinning because they were glorying in heaven. Now they're getting bug bites because they're rolling, rolling, rolling. Do you, do you think the script has well, maybe stressed rolling a little bit too much? I or, think, or, or splinters. I think you, yeah, I think you learned how to type that word and then just kept typing it's it really fast. You're going to get sore. Yeah, I think you copied and pasted too many times on that too. I'm sorry, Miss Nina. The first attempt on Creffield's life happened in Yakina City near Newport, Washington. Creffield had returned to Corvallis just long enough to collect his scattered flock back together and lead them out of town. All right, this is a stretch, this next line. <laughs> really? <laughs> Welcome to our world. You wrote it? <laughs> you think I like to read this shit? <laughs> no, I don't think you now do. We're, we're in Creffield's head right now. So. Are, are we? Creffield had returned to Corvallis just long enough to collect his scattered flock back together and lead them out of town, as had Moses so many years before. <laughs> you like that? You like how they make that connection? I, I, I love the visual. I think. Did you add that? Yeah. That's some shit you added in there. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he's painting a picture. <laughs> he was going to lead his people into the wilderness, a patch of unimproved woodland near Waldport on the coast and God would take care of them there. <laughs> Among the women in Creffield's flock at the time, he w oh, sorry. Among the women in Creffield's flock at the time he went to prison were Cora Hartley and her daughter, Sophia. When Creffield was locked away, the two of them came home to Cora's husband, Lewis Hartley, with whom they had nothing to do with after joining the church. He was, after all, an unbeliever. And believers were not supposed to consort with the damned. See? Sounds boring. Oh, he included you in that, Timmy. I know. They are the damned. You're close. Lewis obviously was not happy when Creffield, fresh from the slammer, strolled into town and called for his former flock to come follow him into the wilderness. 
But Cora and Sophia answered the call immediately and started getting ready to go. I'm telling you, lucky man. Are you? Is this a real name? Yes. Yeah. 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 When the two of them left town on T. Edgington Hogs Railroad <laughs> Line. See, uh, see, you're probably not used to this on Already Gone, but we do a lot of real detail. Yeah. <laughs> really thorough, thorough research here. Yeah, this, this is, yeah. So, so they're riding Boss Hogs Railroad Line out of town. Well, just to clarify, we're talking about a man with a 13-inch cock, and they're on Hogs Railroad Line. Happy coincidence. I did not make that connection. <laughs> to Yakina City and Newport to join their prophet by the sea, and Lewis secretively followed. When he arrived in Yakina City, Lewis realized he'd lost their trail because the two women had spotted him en route and got off early at Toledo to shake him. There's a Toledo in Washington? I guess. Toledo in every state. Really? It's like he doesn't know that. He does not know that. Do not. Not. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it's Toledo. Toledo, yeah. Toledo, Toledo. Do you, think, you know how they followed him when they were looking for him? It's like that Jesus thing, you know, like there are two sets of footprints and whatever. Oh, and his dick was dragging the ground? Yeah, he had a set of footprints and then a straight line that was just kind of straight. <laughs> Give you away every time. <laughs> that seems legitimate. You got to be careful in this note. <laughs> I just, yeah. Lewis hopped a ferry to Newport and tried to find a judge who would order Crefield's arrest, but none would. So Hartley went to a sporting goods store instead, and with a brand new 32 caliber revolver in his pocket, Hartley now started searching not for his family, but for Crefield. Eventually, not finding Crefield in Newport, Hartley boarded the ferry and returned to Yakina City. As the ferry he was on was docking, he saw another ferry getting ready to depart, and his wife and daughter were standing on the stern with Edmund Crefield. This is a very, this next line is very visual. Thank you. You're painting a picture here. Thank you. Yeah, he's oh, fucking he's, Bob he's, Ross. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's like Dickens, really. Oh, yeah. Well, Larry Dickens. <laughs> Hartley leapt from his ferry and raced to the other just as it pulled away from the slip. He drew his revolver and opened fire on Crefield, who stood on the ferry facing him a few yards away. What the hell? He's it, just sitting there shooting at the fucking boat. If we, now, listen to this, because if we actually had a real podcast, this is what it would sound like. <laughs> Five clicks rang out. The bullets Hartley had brought with him, the bullets Hartley had bought with the pistol were the wrong type for the gun. <laughs> I hate that. He loaded the rimfire pistol with centerfire ammo. Oh, you can't do that. No yeah. wonder his wife took off on him, right? fucking idiot. <laughs> click, click, click. Yeah. Right. Unable to fire, Hartley threw his handgun at Crefield. <laughs> <laughs> but what are you gonna laugh? That's that's some shit I would do. Like this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> he threw his handgun at Crefield, nearly missing his head. Then he leapt toward Crefield, but by this point, the ferry had pulled away from the dock <laughs> and Hartley plunged into the That's icy so waters. I forgot it's stupid. Did he drown? We're not there yet. <clears throat> no? No. 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 At the ferry, as the ferry blew its horn, Edmund Crefield waved farewell to Lewis. 
who angrily turned away and swam back to shore. Although he put a good face on it at the time, Crefield seems to have taken this lesson to heart. <laughs> From then on, Edmund Crefield was a hard man to find. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> I would think rumor of him was shocking. Maybe that's the Bigfoot sightings they're talking about. Oh, for Christ's sake. Yes. Because we know he's smelly. Yeah? And he's packing a... a Something not quite human. <laughs> and the tar probably makes him look hairy. He might be Bigfoot. You know, I'm guessing <laughs> I'm guessing the tar's gone by now. It's in Oregon. Huh? And it's in Oregon. It's in Oregon. He could be Bigfoot. Nothing no. Yeti. <laughs> what? The tar's gone. You don't know that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Maybe he liked it. Yeah, that's a whole other story. Some guys are into that. <laughs> Edmund Crefield was a hard man to find, always on the move. He led his flock to the wilderness camp, but didn't stay long. Lewis Hartley returned a day, a day or so later with a Winchester rifle to try again, <laughs> but he found his prey long gone. What a dumb motherfucker. Right <laughs> well, he got the right bullet, and then yeah. he goes back because he's still going to be there. Yeah. Like, clearly, that's... back to the gun shop yeah. with like a big handful of bullets and say, could you give me the gun that help, works for these? Help me. <laughs> yeah, the help me. And, well, and then he goes, why does he think this guy, they're just waiting for him to come back? <laughs> of course he's gone. Over the following few months, Crefield's itinerant lifestyle frustrated at least one other would-be assassin, and probably more. But eventually, Edmund Crefield ended up in the city of Seattle, Washington, and it was in that city at 7.10 a.m. on May 7th, 1906. Yeah, that's really precise. Yeah, that's, I like that. As he was walking down the street with Maud, that a fellow named George Mitchell walked up behind him with a pocket pistol. Really? <laughs> you didn't even mean to do that, did you, Timmy? He had a pocket ah. pistol. No, he didn't draw his own pocket pistol. No, this he brought an gold. extra one. Okay. No, okay. This was extra. Mitchell walked up behind him with a pocket pistol and put a bullet into the back of his head, killing oh. Edmund Crefield. And Edmund Crefield was 36 years old. Oh. His killer, George Mitchell, was the brother of two of Crefield's most devoted followers. Esther Mitchell and Donna Mitchell Starr. We apparently have a slide. We have a slide. Yeah. Mitchell yeah. was convinced that Crefield had ruined his sister Esther by having premarital sex with her. Well, and he was 13 and a half. 13 and a half inches. <laughs> He's ruining everything that yeah. thing touches. He, that's like having a baby there. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was determined to defend her honor. I don't think there was much there left to defend. No dignity either. No. <laughs> Mitchell, after the police arrived, quietly handed over his pistol. I have only done my duty, he told the officers, according to police reports. I came here to kill that man as he ruined my two sisters. <laughs> and I have completed my work. <laughs> what I want to know is, how does he know they're ruined? I mean, they could have just been... Because they're walking funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what was this guy doing that he had such an intimate knowledge of his sister? If you watch him walk like they just got off a horse, then yeah, they, that's probably how he knew. But hell, that was 80% of the town. Well, so. you know, but he's only concerned about his sisters. The trial was something of a landmark for Seattle. There was widespread sympathy for Mitchell. For all practical purposes, his defense rested on something known as the unwritten law. 
the one that says it's okay for a man to perpetrate what you might call an honor killing on the fellow who defiled his wife or sister. Damn right, I think that's a good one. Mm -hmm. right, we got another slide up there to look at. Dude, my brothers don't give a damn. My brothers want. My my brothers you ain't got no damn honor. You well, no, but they didn't even defend it. They wouldn't she walk across the street point. for that. She did at one point. She did at yeah. one point. Well, yeah, yeah, back in the day, but they didn't but she care. Turned 14. She used to beat the hell out of and then she turned fourteen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you had a lot of honor to you, until you started struggling that economics class, didn't you? <laughs> Did not honor just went right out the window, didn't he? I don't know if you know this. Oh my God! Or you guys know this? Because you might want to explain. Because yeah. many of our Brandy went audience. to college. Uh, you know, obviously she's an educated woman, but she is not great with you know as as a lot of um, and and I don't want to start a lot of trouble, but don't you? A lot of a, a lot of girls are not great at math. That's all I'm saying. And she had to take economics, which was highly dependent on math, and she was just going to fail. So what she decided to do was have an affair with her professor to get a better He was grade. like 86 or something. Yeah, he was like 85 <laughs> years old. And she'll openly admit it. Brandy, did you or did you not have an affair with the guy? Well, he wasn't 86. Okay. Yes or, this is a yes or no question I'm asking you. Okay. She, she tried to qualify. Yeah. Yes or no? Dude. Okay, thank you. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, and then she got, and then she got a C. C plus. That's a, that. That's her. That would hurt. She got a C. Dude, your dick sucker runs more than anything I've ever seen. That never. You, you are a horrible person. You, you jackass. Let me tell you something. I got an A in that class. I'm gonna have to see. I got it. You see nothing. I got an A in that class, and I was 21, you fuckers, 14 years old. That's gross. <laughs> Seriously. Really I mean, it's just shameful. It's shameful. Look, we all did things in college we're not proud of. This is all I'm saying. But I, I, it just ruins you. That's, that's what's wrong with our education system. Is it? It is. That's what's wrong with our education system. <laughs> yeah, I, I that's why I don't have a degree right now. I refuse, I refuse to participate in such behavior. I'm going to need you to not talk anymore for just a little bit. I'm going I'm to let Miss Nina finish here. I wish. Oof. Yes, teacher sleeping with. Oh, my God. Go back. I, I just want to bring up that I graduated with honors. <laughs> you, can, you can make She's of that just what you will. Here. <laughs> make of that what you will. That's another podcast. <laughs> the trial was something of a landmark for Seattle. There was widespread sympathy for Mitchell. For all practical purposes, his defense rested on something known as the unwritten law. I've already read this part. Mm -hmm. When the trial concluded, the jury found Mitchell not guilty. This in spite of the fact that he had admitted in open court to an action that fit the definition of premeditated murder with remarkable precision. Although the smart money had been on a not guilty by reason of insanity verdict, the word when it came down was just plain not guilty. Mitchell was a free man. What do you think about that, Brandy? <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> that you can just do that and then just, eh, no, you did, you're good. We're, we're even. The hell? In finding this way, without invoking an insanity defense that would result in Mitchell spending some time in an asylum, the members of the jury no doubt thought they were doing him a favor. 
but they were gravely mistaken. Upon learning of the verdict, Edmund's widow, Maud Hurt Crefield, took a large bottle of strychnine, killing herself instantly. Oh, oh poor Maud. <laughs> a moment for Maud. <laughs> yeah, God right, rest her on. soul. Yeah. You get a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, I would have got a tattoo for Maud. I might get one before the weekend goes. <laughs> Jesus. A few days later, Mitchell met up with his sister, Esther, in a, in a railroad depot for what other family members hoped would be a reconciliation of sorts. Instead, it turned into another execution. Esther shot her older brother in the back of the head with a pocket pistol. Those pocket pistols. Everybody's got them. They're handy. Yeah. They're really handy. What's, like what's in your purse? You have a pocket pistol? <laughs> what's in your pocket? What's in your wallet? <laughs> what's in your wallet? I got a pocket pistol. I need a wallet pistol. Really? In the aftermath of this shocker, the newspaper reporters... Wait, shocker? Really? In the aftermath of this shocker, the newspaper reporters really wanted Esther to tell them God had told her to avenge Crefield's death, or that somehow a religious frenzy made her do it. Instead, she told them two things. Fuck off. <laughs> That's just one thing. Yeah. Well, there's two words. One <laughs> yeah. First, she said she was doing exactly what her brother had done. The law was inadequate to the task of punishing a murderer, as evidenced by the fact that he'd been acquitted despite having admitted in court that he did it. This was pretty similar to George's claim that he'd had to shoot Crefield because the law couldn't keep him away from his sisters. Oh, now hold on, though, because Crefield did not ruin the guy who was shot, so there was no honor killing there. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, if he was walking around like he just jumped off of a horse or, you know. Well, or he had a really weird relationship with his sisters. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Well. Yeah, so there's no honor lost there. You can't claim that. See? Stop. I, I'm just <laughs> using, I'm using my legal mind. Are you? Yes. <laughs> using my, my jailhouse law degree. <laughs> Secondly, Secondly, she pointed out that George had done exactly what he'd accused Crefield of doing, branded her as a fornicator. Mm. You, don't want fornicator to be, you don't want to be branded you as a fornicator. A do you have the brand? Or you just got the tattoo? Fornicator. I do not have a brand that says fornicator. <laughs> you should get the tattoo at least. I, I think it's obvious. <laughs> she insisted that Crefield had never had sex with her. Yeah, she's a liar. No. <laughs> By making the statement that he had killed Crefield because he'd ruined his sisters, George had, in fact, ruined his sisters. <laughs> At her trial, Esther Mitchell, Esther Mitchell tried to... Third time's the charm. At her trial, Esther Mitchell refused to cry and claim insanity. The state forced it on her anyway. Of course they did. And committed her to an asylum. A few years later, out of the asylum and staying at a family friend's place, she took a massive dose of strychnine and died. Another strychnine poison. Where are they getting all the strychnine? Uh, oh, they used to just sell it on street corners back oh, then. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Vending machine. Vending machine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They give it on Amazon. eBay. Oh, yeah. eBay. Well, and Amazon's out there in Washington, so it all works mm -hmm. out. They followed the example of widowed Maud Hurt Crefield, who killed herself in the same manner shortly after the trial. The end. Yay.
Well, thank you, Miss Nina. Now, hopefully, people just end up tuning into the last part of the podcast. Yeah, th- and, so, and you know what? They'll hear it and they'll think, "Oh, they finally got rid of that shrew ass brandy." No. We got a we got a decent. Um, my bad, I said that out loud. <laughs> so, Colonel, what's your final thoughts on Edmund Crayfield? Well, you know, the guy had eighty percent of the. Now, he's got these women, so they just you know sit with their legs crossed like this. The furnace is kicking off because it. You know, so. He was just a defiler. I don't. What? I don't. No idea what that means. Was that English? Huh? Was that English? Well, you know, he he ruined the sisters. Okay. You know, and. No, he, just um, just stop. Just, <laughs> it, it's just like stop. a ten-step joke to get to the furnace kicking on, but it involves a draft and things like that, and airflow. And so okay. I won't get too far into it. But I think he, uh, I, I think he didn't really have a, the tar and feathering was, I think that was good, but I think the bullet to the back of the head was maybe one step too far. What? Brandy. Yes. What's your final thoughts on Edmund Crayfield? Well, first of all, I'm disappointed because you had indicated at some point that there was spontaneous ejaculation no, that was going to happen. That's next, that's next podcast. <laughs> that was, um, well, there could be, could you read that one, rolling, rolling? No. <laughs> It's an upcoming podcast. We talk about spontaneous yeah. Edmund's a, a baller, and I, I you know, if yeah. if if you could, if their husbands were taking care of him, I suppose they wouldn't have wandered off to Dirk Diggler or John Holmes or whatever John, you want to call he was him. John Holmes of his day. He was. Yeah. He was. Perfect. That is my final thought. Nina, what's your final thought on Edmund Crayfield? Yeah. <laughs> Her final thought is, please, God, don't anybody tell Why the hell did I drive down here? Yeah. I, ju- I just want to point out that my dad's here with me. So. Yeah. Dad, thanks for, thanks for listening. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so now, thank you all. Yes, uh, I hope thank you. you. like the story. Yes. And now, take a TV timeout. Brandy would like to take a TV timeout, and then we're going to bring up, uh, we're going to interview uh, Nina here and Nate, and we're going to have a blast. So give us like five minutes, and we'll get started, okay? Thank you, everyone. Yay, thank you. We'll just keep. So, I think we had um, Chelsea.
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I, be, I, be, I believe we're going to start interviewing some of the podcasters that are here now. Are we good? Nate from the Conspirators Podcast, everybody. Come on up. Right up here, Nate. Right up here. Whatever seat, doesn't matter. All right. And get a little closer to the mic there, Nate. And they were all rolling around naked, rolling, 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 rolling. 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 <laughs> yeah, you know what? You didn't do it for me, Nate. You oh, did sorry. not do it for me. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you, you have the conspirators. Uh, like I say, I do, a par- I do a podcast called The Conspirators. It's a dark history podcast. I try to tell stories each week about um, you know, the weird and strangest things that happen in history, sort of like your show there. I don't, I've talked about a lot of different things from true crime. I've talked about strange disappearances. And uh, I've got one coming up about the history of exorcisms coming up for Halloween. So That sounds oh, awesome. Wow. That sounds interesting. Now, how long have you been doing this podcast, Nate? About a year and a half. year and a half? Yeah. What, what, what made you think, oh, I'm going to do a podcast? 
Well, I was sitting, well, like I said, I'd listen to him when I was sitting there at work a lot of times, and I'd be listening to him all the time. Next summer, I, somewhere along the line, I got the idea of, yeah, maybe I can do this. Did you ever listen? To, did, was it from one of ours, and you thought, if these three idiots can do it, I can do it? Oh, Is absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. All right. And and so the genre um, is that something you were just always interested in, or yeah, I oh, I mean I've been a big fan of like that sort of things. I was a big fan of unsolved mysteries on TV and in search of, and those are the kind of things I wanted to go for when I was doing my own show there. Okay, okay, well, how about did um, you, huh? What what would you say? How has this? How has podcasting in general changed your life? Uh, well, certainly gave me a bigger audience and got my name out there for people to see. Um, I'm not sure it has changed my life so much, except, well, made it a lot more busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are you, like me, I, I'm just in it for the groupies. Yeah. I mean, you got a lot of groupies? <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. Okay. Because I, I got I one. I my family. I got one. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's, I mean, she's like 76. She sends me PMs. I like it. It's a <laughs> um, but, but do you, uh, um, and, and I think that's probably been my favorite part of this is, you know, the people that I've got to meet, actually. Yeah. Is that what Me too. I, really, I like to meet my fans. I like to go and converse with them online. I like to chat with them and, you know, trade ideas and find out. And I've got some of them that send me strange stories, and those really, um, those help me out every, in the future there, too, so. Well, good. Now, do you have a, if somebody were starting a podcast, you know, and, and, you know, everybody out here is looking at us again, thinking, except when Nina was here, these three idiots can do it, I can do it, I just <laughs> got to buy a microphone. Um, what, what, what advice would you give them? Buy a microphone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I yeah. think they got that part down. Um, although, you know, a lot of people are doing podcasts with their iPhones now, but uh, but what, what was the hardest thing? What, what, was you, what did you struggle with? Um getting over nervousness and being able to enunciate myself clearly and, you know, not fumble my words when I'm speaking. Yeah, see, that hasn't been a problem for us because we just fumble <laughs> it and don't enunciate, so. <laughs> we make up words sometimes, so. so like now, kernelization. Do you, <laughs> kernelization of a word. Do you write your own scripts? Yeah. Do you write? Yeah, I write the, I write the whole script. I, usually, I write the whole script. I read it straight through. I mean, I tell it like a story. I play music in the background to make it kind of atmospheric. And so you do your own editing, everything oh yeah. else. Now, one podcast, how many, how many hours would you say you have into a podcast? Per week? When you, to put the podcast together, how long like would it take Like one episode. Uh, one episode, maybe about at least 10 to 12 hours. 10 to 12 hours. Yeah, it's, come, it's, everything, it's everything from the research through the week to the writing to the um, reading and editing. So about 10 to 12 no hours. Kidding. Yeah. Is it, how long does it take us, Timmy? About the same. Takes me 15 minutes because I just show up and read whatever's on the page. So. It takes a lot longer than 15 minutes I don't really know what's you. involved. Honestly, I don't know what's involved in a podcast. I just <laughs> read stuff off a piece of paper. But, um, so what advice would you give somebody if they were going to do it? What are, what are they going to struggle with? What are they going to deal with? Uh, well, first of all, figure out what your niche is. Figure out what it is you want to talk about and why that's important enough to want to do a podcast about it. Also, well, try not to copy other people and try to, oh, you can emulate what other people do, but try to be original, try to be your own voice, something that people are going to want to come to you and listen to you specifically. Mm -hmm. And actually, we did that. We, our podcast is loosely based off of Nina's. Um, if you listen to the two, they're, they're very Sometimes I can't tell you two apart. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's so close. Um, we listened to her and we said, that's what we want to do, and we made one just like hers. So. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, and, and 
what inspires you? I mean, who inspires you? Not what, but who inspires you when, when you're thinking about all this stuff you do? Is it? Well, Safi answers my family, and it's true. Is it? I mean, and yeah. no, that, yeah, I mean, that's a And your family's question. here with you today, right? Yeah, my, my, my wife and my son are over there. Where are they at? Aww. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for coming down here. Um, and, and I really just got a couple more. If you had uh, some words to live by, some, and you can think about this for a minute, a motto or some words to live by, um, what would they be? Be true to yourself. True to yourself. Yeah. I like that, that. That's a good one. Also, get your enemies before they get you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one, too. Carry that's around a, a pocket one. pistol. So what's next for you? What's uh, next for you in life? Well, next for me in life, like I said, I'd like, really like to build the audience. I'd like to get, I'd like to get more listeners to my show. I'd like to, from, I really would like for more people to hear me. More people to hear you? Yeah. Now, um, when you say more people to hear you, you know, because so many podcasts, you know, they're, they're monetized and it's things like that. And is that, is it more people just hearing the message? Is that what you're... I like the audience. I like the audience. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I like money too. So, but see, I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't care to make money. But yeah, you're lying. Huh? You're so lying. <laughs> no, I just I paid ten dollars to park to be here. So you know, yeah, I so did I. I don't care at all about money. I feel like every time we have a conversation, it's like, can you find? Can you spot the one lie in these? Three truths the colonel tells <laughs> that game. <laughs> Most of them are lies, like like eighty percent of the time. Well, 80%, right, Timmy? Did you make that one? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's pretty much unless... Just throw something out at me here. Just tell me a little bit that I don't know about you. People that, people that are listening to the conspirators are, and, and people are going to be in this room listening to conspirators, um, what would you like them to know? Uh, darn if I know. I don't know. I, off the top of my head, Can't I don't know. Can't come up with anything. No, not off the top of my head. I mean... I just don't like saying. I mean, you just came to this some bitch unprepared. I came totally unprepared. <laughs> okay, I really did. <laughs> don't worry, that's that's Chuck every day of his that's life. Pretty much, yeah, that's, it's, yeah, you just. I was told show up and it. talk. That's show up and talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, if if as we said, we have an audience out here, and an audience that's going to listen to this, not a significant audience, but a but a decent audience. And uh, we would we would definitely recommend your show. It's it's a yeah. fantastic show. Well, thank you. So, thank you for coming, Nate. So thank, thank you. you. All righty. At this time, please welcome David and Chelsea with Based on a True Crime. Come on down. All right. Come on down. The price is right. How are you guys doing? Good. Excellent. The lights um, are bright, too. They are bright. That's why I have my sunglasses up here. Uh, my first question to you is, are you, now are you two living in sin? You married? What are you doing? <laughs> we are married. You're After married, actually. several years of living in sin, uh, we did get married last year. We just celebrated our one-year wedding anniversary on October 1st. One year. Yes. Yay! We celebrated it in New Orleans, doing lots of sinful things. So. Did you really? Oh, yeah. Now, see... Now, now look at him. He's a, he's a pretty handsome guy, right? Would you say? I would say, yes. He's been married a year, all yeah. right? Now, take a look at me. This is what 30 years of marriage does to you. <laughs> it's like looking um, into the future. It is, and it's not pretty. <laughs> um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of follow a format here because Rachel came up with some really good questions. Um, 
what what sparked your desire to become a become podcasters? Was it one of you? And, and I want to know the story behind this. Was it one of you that said, I want to do it and we're going to do it together? Or who was that? Who was first? It, um, it was me. Yeah, uh, I think it was me. It, it was definitely <laughs> me. Yeah, I, I moved to Cincinnati almost two years ago and we did long distance for about a year. So hold on, 12 hold on. hours of driving. So you knew you were together somewhere else? Yes, we were together yeah. living in St. Louis. Uh, we met in St. Louis in 2013, and I was in school, and then I graduated, and mm -hmm. I needed a job, and I got one in Cincinnati. So, yeah, we did we did long distance for a year. I had listened to a lot of podcasts before, you know, while I was in school. Um, mm -hmm. You do, like, mindless lab work and just put on my headphones, but that 12 hours <laughs> every other weekend... I just I listened to a lot of true crime podcasts. Oh, did and, you? Yeah, and I was I really wanted to start one. So did so. you already know of Nina when you yeah. did this? Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody Nina, that listens Nina to true crime and knows. Insight. Yeah. yeah, they know so Nina. Charlie and Allie, so. uh, for sure, were were big inspirations. But yeah, I wanted one, and I, I wrote David into it. So that's actually how we got to based on a true crime because I was really into true crime podcasts and. David's a big horror movie junkie, so oh, okay. yes, the we junkie combined our interests. <laughs> yeah. So that's how you chose your genre. Now, um, did you? And and honestly, I joke about this, but I don't know how many people are here today. Maybe you know, thirty, twenty, whatever. Honestly, when we started the podcast, we thought we'd have about twenty listeners, and we were pretty happy with that. You know, and probably after this podcast we'll be back back down to 20 listeners <laughs> but um what did you dream that you'd have a following did you believe that you would have a following oh i i i thought three would be good three people mm -hmm. yeah, maybe um, my mom and dad and my sister yeah <laughs> see now actually, i do not actually they don't even listen to our show anymore they that, did the beginning i have to tell you this i do not tell people i, I do this podcast I do not tell people because I, you know, I, 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 I don't always put a good face out there. So, um, no. <laughs> yeah. So people that I work with, I don't often tell them. So, you know, but you, you have a pretty good following. Um, it's more than we thought we would have at this point. So it's, it's weird getting messages from people you don't know being like, I really like your podcast. I'm like, did you get the wrong one? Is it, is it are you us? Sure? Are you sure? But you're not yeah. thinking of Once Upon a Crime because I feel like the names are a little bit similar. Um, but no, no, it's it's really great. I mean, there's such a good community online of people that are really into true crime podcasts. Yeah. So everyone's been really nice and welcoming to us, and obviously you guys have been really nice and welcoming to us. So it's been a blast. And now, and did you see your numbers just skyrocket when we mentioned you? Oh yeah, yep. Oh, okay. Yes. okay. Thank you. That's what I thought would happen. We thought, and then you know, then they quit listening to us and move on to you. But, um, when you were, how how was podcasting really kind of changed you guys? Changed your life, your daily routine, whatever you're doing. Well, we get to work on something creative together. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, that we have a we have deadlines for. Um. <laughs> yeah. uh, David's an artist, so he, oh, you know, he's kind of been out there himself and doing creative things. I'm, I work in the science field, so this is my creative thing, my first and only You're kind creative of a nerd. thing. Oh, I'm a huge You're kind nerd. of a geek. Yeah. Okay, yep. that's good. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, it's just a lot of fun 
you know, being able to do something together and create something and put it out there. So It's okay. a little more tricky, though, because when we sit down, sometimes there's things we want to chat about and we can't during the week because we want to save it to the podcast. So <laughs> There are times that I will say something and I think, damn, I should have saved that for the podcast. <laughs> and it, usually it's about Brandy. And I think, damn, oh I should have saved that one for the podcast because they're always true. Um, now, somebody finds something about, you know, somebody finds a passion. All right, they find a passion. It might be breeding roosters. I don't know what it is, but people, you know, people have their own things. And they want to start a podcast about it. Um, what advice would you give to them? Well, I guess something you're passionate about, it's really important. Um, is just number one. Um, but in terms of the technology, it's not all that uh, difficult. I think kind of trying to navigate the getting a website set up and um, getting listed in the, the directories is the biggest challenge. Um, I guess not a challenge, but our first four episodes you can't really listen to without headphones on because the sound is all messed up. It's kind of a challenge. Yeah, I think everybody starts <laughs> yeah. a podcast. Yeah. I, I think that everybody does yeah. that yeah. with their first podcast. My advice would be don't think about it too much because if you think about it too much, you're probably not going to do it. So just, if you have the idea, you know, record something and do it and realize that it will get better and change with time. Don't expect your first episodes to be perfect. And actually, yeah. that's good advice because our, that's how we kind of operate. We don't think about it at all. I mean, we put no thought into this. Um, now, Timmy does. Timmy, I, I, I make fun of him, but he does a great job researching and putting these scripts together, so he does not get the credit he deserves for that. Um, what's the goal of your podcast? Just have fun. <laughs> I think, you know, that's currently the reason why we do it. It's, you know, it's not, we're not getting any money, we're spending a lot of money. <laughs> But it's just, as long as it's fun, we're going to keep doing it. I would love, in terms of growth, I would love to be big enough that, you know, we could maybe be able to invite, like, people that are directing these movies. Because, uh, you know, our podcast, yeah. we, I don't even think I said what we talk about. So it's based on a true crime, and we talk about movies that are based on true crime. So Very, very literal, but I would absolutely love to um, do my tagline. I'm Chelsea, and I love true crime. And I'm David, and I love horror movies. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but so I would love to be able to you know, interact with directors and actors and kind of hear more about what they're thinking when they're making these movies. You know, what kind of research do they do into the true crimes? Because you have some movies that are you know, very literal, just a series of events that happen. And then you have ones where... You know, the director read a headline or had an experience as a child. Like, The Strangers is based yeah. on, you know, the director was almost the victim of a home invasion from someone knocking on the door and asking if, you know, someone with some random name was home. So, now, you I, know, just, I think it's really cool. Harvey Weinstein, he's going to have a lot of free time here lately. You oh, might, here soon, oh. you might be able to interview him. No, no, so. no. <laughs> he's probably got some stories to tell. Yeah, he's got some true crimes to tell. Yeah, true crimes, so... <laughs> Uh, now I'm gonna have to each of, ask each of you this, uh, and 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 don't do not say you only been married for one year, and you might say this. Do not say the other one, okay? Because <laughs> you got to be nice to. But I'm gonna get get you off the hook. You're not allowed to answer that. Um, who inspires you? Tell me who inspires you here. It could be anybody, like anybody yeah. in the past. Anybody family, but your wife. Artist, whatever. <laughs> 
Um, well, I guess Tim Burton's the big inspiration. Really? Yeah. Um, storyteller, visual artist. Um, not not necessarily his latest and greatest movies, but um, some of his classics. Okay. Chelsea? Don't tell me no science person. Anything <laughs> I don't know about uh, no, I mean, Stephen I, Hawking. Is that who it is? No. I do feel, especially in terms of the podcast, you know, I am inspired by a lot of other podcasters. I think especially you know, female podcasters because what, we're, what, we're like what? everyone. And I feel like true crime is overrun with female podcasters in a good way. Um, but no, uh, someone like, actually like Nina and Charlie and Allie, um, I mean, Georgia and Karen on My Favorite Murder, these were all the podcasts that I listened to before. No. You know, I even thought that I could start my own podcast. Well, you and do. I think it's, it's awesome, yeah. So do you have a motto, a, a life motto, words you live by? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, I don't. I don't <laughs> <laughs> uh, stay sexy and don't get murdered. Yes. Oh. <laughs> now... Come on, David, you got one. Um, uh, mine would be that there's, you know, a creative person in, in everyone, and just um, find your passion, find your outlet, and everyone can create cool stuff. There you go. There you go. So what's next for you two? What's next? Well, uh, it's October, so we're doing two episodes a week, um, some spooky stuff. Uh, we just did, uh, we recorded an episode that's coming up on the Conjuring universe, and the True stories behind that. Um, we are going to cover Chucky in a future episode. So we're very, um, I guess, of the season right now. So that's our, that's our big theme of the month. Yeah, I think we're probably going to do more themed months. So this is our first one, but I'm already looking forward to uh, February and doing some uh, couples who murder together. Lots and of movies, you know, natural. Oh, that's yeah, so I know. sweet. Oh. <laughs> natural born killers and Bonnie and Clyde. We're really excited. <laughs> Are there any Santa murders? Because uh, December could be. Actually, like, oh, there is Christmas. a Santa murder. There is a Santa murder. We covered it. Uh, guy create. Guy made his own flamethrower. Burned his whole damn family down. Dressed like Santa. Dressed like Santa. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, yeah, you've been terrifying. following us that's pretty awesome. closely, haven't we? <laughs> so, so, so I got one last question for you, Chelsea. Um, how much money do your parents have in your teeth? Because you got perfect teeth up here. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I've seen teeth that perfect in a long time. So. Thank you. You know, I, I never needed braces. Those are natural. These are all natural. Those my, are spectacular. My mom has never needed braces either, so I think it's... It's genetics, so good, good they, they gave me good genes. I just went to the dentist like a couple weeks ago for the first time in seven years because I didn't have dental insurance. Okay. And I had one cavity, and they were very impressed. One uh, cavity in seven years, impressive. apparently not that bad. Not wow. Yeah. And David's going uh, in a week and a couple days. So How do you feel about that? <laughs> hey, you know what? You got great hair, so I'm, that, I'm just going to leave it. And, and I'm a little jealous of that, so I'm just going to... We appreciate you coming up here, and we appreciate you thank coming you down so to the Yeah, thank you so really much exciting. for the everything. All right, Chuck. Now, the next one we're going to ask for is uh, uh, Miss Nina instead. Ask her to come up.
we have a whole special set of questions for you. Oh, Lord. So. <laughs> he doesn't bite Now, you hard. listen to the show occasionally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Would you say you had a, a favorite on the show? Of the three of you? Yeah. Oh, God. Here we go. You know, this is like picking a favorite child. Okay, as long as okay, yeah. as long as I'm in the top three, I'm good. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, and this is a serious question because I, I listen to your podcast. I you know, doing true crime is so hard to listen to podcasts because you you know, and, and I always listen to. I told you, you and Ben, or not you and Ben, Ben and Rosanna. Yeah. And they walk among us and yours, and primarily because I think that you and Ben have the greatest voices in podcasting. Okay. Truly, the greatest voices in podcasting. <laughs> Um, and uh, I, I wanted to ask you, have you ever considered like voiceover or commercial work or things like that? Have you ever done it? I've never done it. I would love to do it. And uh, it's been suggested to me by people that I don't like, that I don't know particularly well. They're like, well, you should do this. So I'm working on it for next year. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Um, what, what, what got you becoming a podcaster? What got you into it? My daughter was having some health issues and wasn't able to attend school, so I was home all the time. And I was listening to podcasts to sort of cope with being stuck home all the time and thought, well, I could do this. You know. And, you, and, and your interest in crew, I know this story, so you know, I'm, we've, we've talked about this, and it's very interesting to me. So, um, and, and I think you're doing an episode possibly coming up soon, but you were part um, you were living right where, a, literally within a block or two of where ser a serial killer was killing children. Yes. When the Oakland County child killer was active, I lived in Berkeley, and he had two female victims. He picked up one victim at 13 Mile in Woodward, which as the crow flies was about half a mile from where I was living, and he picked up the other female victim at 12 Mile and Oakshire, which was about... 0.4 miles the other way from where I was living. So it was extremely, it was hard to be a kid at that time and not know what was going on. And adults were talking about it and there were cops driving around and it was just a very tense, frightening time. I believe one of the victims went to the elementary school that I attended. She was obviously much older than I was, but this was literally happening, happening in my neighborhood. And as I've grown up, um, I've lived in various places that were in very close proximity either to dump sites or where the main suspect lived or a, a, a friend that I made a few years ago. I found out one of the victims was left on her front lawn. Oh, my. Wow. So, it, so it's just always around. And that's what sparked your interest in all this. I mean, this is where yeah. you really got you started in yes. the true crime and the whole genre is, yes. is that. And you were, you were very young at that time. Yes. Now, you have... I, and, and really, you, you truly do. You have a, a huge following on, you know, I mean, podcasters would dream to have the following that you have. Did you ever think you would have that? No, no. And actually, when I started out, my husband inadvertently did me a really big favor. He was hosting the podcast on our server at home. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea what my numbers were until I was about 15 episodes in. Oh, no kidding. Because I think if I'd known what my numbers were, I would have, fuck it, not done it anymore. You just said no? No. You just weren't getting them and? If I'd known, I think I would have quit. Really? But not knowing, it, you, you need a really thick skin 
to do a podcast, you need to, to really put your ego aside and, and do it because you enjoy it, not because of what's coming in externally. And one of, one of the things that's, uh, to me, different than yours, what's different in yours, is you tend to do a lot of research, obviously, you know, you can tell the research, but they tend not to run that long. You know, most true crime are gonna run over an hour, an hour. Yours typically run about 30 minutes, maybe 40. They're very concise. Right. Um, so how long does it take you to get a script like that together? Well, I'm super ADD, so I can't stay focused for long, but I end up spending probably 20 hours a week per episode between mm -hmm. researching it, writing it, editing it, recording it, editing it, editing it, editing it, <laughs> getting it out there. And rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling, <laughs> rolling and tumbling and rolling. Well, yeah, just a little. I'm going to give you that, but can you hold on to that and just yeah. a little bit later on? Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. So now, what? How has podcasting changed your life? I know a lot more about murder in Michigan than I did before I started. Yeah, because your focus is primarily on Michigan. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And. Um, I was able, I, I've been able, I've been very fortunate to call in some favors and establish relationships with different police departments and different police officers, which has made it easier for me to get information on other cases. I can, I have an entree that I never would have had before okay. with different departments, which is super helpful. Yeah. Now, if, if someone, again, I'll ask you this, you know, somebody's passionate about something and they want to start a podcast. You get, you know, the technical stuff has become so easy. You know, what what advice would you give them about podcasting? What would you? That if you're going to do it well, it's going to take longer than you think. You're going to need to give it more time than you think that it's going to take. And yeah, when I started out, somebody said, you need to, don't do a weekly show, don't do a weekly show, go every other week. And I went, eh, I'll be fine. And he was right, and I should have, done a, a bi-monthly or every other week show and I'm switching to that actually in January so that I can do the longer episodes and the more in-depth looks mm -hmm. because I'm much happier <clears throat> with those in the end when I have two weeks to really unwrap a story and envelop you know really dig into it I'm much happier with the final product okay now you have possibly the second most famous dog in podcasting Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who's got the most famous dog? Uh, do I need to say his name? <laughs> yes, Come but on. yours isn't a Viking warrior. Huh? No. <laughs> Your dog is not a Viking warrior. He is. He could be. He could oh, be. he could be. He, I, you're right. But, but Although, I will say, a listener just sent me in a chalk drawing of Rudy, and oh. it is spectacular. I, I want to I'm going to post some pictures of Good. it tonight when I get home. Um, Christina York. Um, as a listener of ours, she'll hear this. It is incredible. She worked on this a month. It's a chalk drawing on black paper. It's it's unbelievable. But Floof. Floof. We, gotta, we cannot talk to Nino without talking about Floof. Floof is, uh, we rescued Floof last year. And does anybody here know who Floof is? Have you seen Floof? Yeah. Photos of Floof. He was dropped off to be euthanized because his hips are bad. Yeah. 
and we rescued him knowing that we'd have him a year or maybe two years if we were lucky, and we've had him a year, and he's actually gotten better. We've got him on some medication, and mm -hmm. he's just this happy, fluffy, very opinionated boy. He has his own Instagram account? Floofstagram, yes. Yeah, Floofstagram. And he looks, if you, if you haven't, you have to go, if you have Instagram or you go onto our group page, you have to see Floof. The dog looks like a damn werewolf. Mm -hmm. if, I mean, if you've ever seen a dog look like a werewolf, the first time I thought of him, I was like, holy Christ, two breeds of werewolves around here. I but, do. But he's um, a memeable werewolf. Yes. <laughs> he's so cute. He's a happy werewolf. Yeah. But if you, uh, what, what's, you have done so well. What, what is your goal now? What are your goals now? Well, I've launched a second podcast called Dreaming with Nina. And that is a sleep cast because I kept hearing from people that they were re-listening to old episodes of Already Gone to fall asleep to because my voice. I is actually listened to yeah. Yeah, because my voice is soothing, and I've told my kids that my voice is soothing, and they were like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I that I want to get that up and running, and it's basically something to help you get a better night's sleep, and 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 have good dreams because I believe that sleep is very healing and nourishing and good for you. And listening to story, you know, me talking about a hammer murder or a family annihilator, you don't want to fall asleep to that. What's wrong with you? Well, um, we have... Um, There's a lot of things wrong with us. Yeah. We, we wouldn't so, be here if we were normal. <laughs> um, That's fair. So you, do you, and, and you know what, I am, I'm going to ask for one more person to come up here. Okay. Um, could we ask your father to come up here for a minute? Joe, come on up. <laughs> now, I, I got a couple questions for you, Joe. Yes. Now, you have um, your daughter, Nina, who has this spectacularly um, well, doing well podcast, yes. successful podcast. Um, and are you, do you listen to it? Oh, of course I do. Any proud parent would listen to their child's work product. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah. And when she started to doing the podcast, did you have any idea it would become this successful? Well, I knew that anything that uh, Nina set her mind to would be extremely successful because she's uh, always Aww. been a, a very resilient person, a very thoughtful person, and a very hardworking person. So I had, uh, I'm not a real tech kind of guy, uh, tell you the truth. I'm old school. When my grandchildren laugh, I tell them I remember before television. But uh, I knew that if she wanted to do something, she would do it very well. Now, and you're, uh, you're originally, your family's originally not far from Cincinnati, correct? My father, uh, Henry Bernard, would be 105 this year if he was still living, was born in Madisonville, which is an enclave here in Cincinnati, uh, as you Cincinnatians know. And he went to Purcell High School, graduated in 1929, was a year older than the uh, well-known uh, film star, Tyrone Power, 
They used to do amateur theater together. And my father was a radio announcer briefly at WCPO. Oh, no kidding. WCPO. No kidding. Yeah. And, and, and the reason I brought you up here, one of the reasons is, you know, I, I, I got to talk to you last night, and you're yes. an extremely interesting guy. Um, they can't and, prove it in open court, so I'm Yeah. Not. <laughs> no, and I would never testify against you. I, but um, one of my next questions is who inspires you? And I knew when I asked Nina that, um, the answer I was going to get. Um, but so who, ins who, growing up or now, who inspires you? Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, I just hung a 70 on the life scoreboard in August. And um, like most people of that age, I've had some very good years and some not so good years. And uh, I guess in a way, uh, Clint Eastwood inspires me. As I'm getting older, uh, I've developed the Clint Eastwood, Gran Torino, angry old man voice. <laughs> See, and, and I'm only 53, and I'm already getting that too. So, it, it, uh, no, no, you're not. You're but there's a certain <laughs> that when you hit hit, the, hit a certain when you start to get a certain age, you become much more free. Yes, you do, because you really don't care. You don't what, care about anything. What anybody else thinks. You care about your family. That's, that's all you care. How, very, if they're healthy, very, you don't uh, care. A safe place to be is just, uh, you know, my, my thing has always been, and I've, I've tried to teach my children this, is, you know, be an honest, decent, fair-minded person, but don't forget to be honest, decent, and fair-minded with yourself, too, because you're important as, as anybody else. Well, and that you just answered my next question, Good motto words or words to live by. Now, Nina, I'm going to ask you the same thing, motto or words to live by. You know, I, I don't want to come up with something, you know, sort of trite or... No, just something that pops into your head, just something that you think that... You should drink more scotch. <laughs> drink more scotch? Yeah. I know you like Amen. to hit scotch pretty hard, but, you know, I thought that was an open, uh, kind of a secret, I didn't, so I didn't want to bring that up. No, okay. Floof, Floof wears it around his neck and a little. <laughs> a little he's a rescue yeah. dog. Yeah. Sneena, you don't get to do it as often as you like, so this you decided to come here. This is the first time here. I've gone. Uh, well, we've done some family cruises and that type yeah. of thing over the years, but this is the first time her and I have gone anywhere uh, for an event like this. So have you had a good time down here? Oh, I yeah. really enjoyed it. Anybody and that doesn't have a good time with this crowd, it's your own fault. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you you have helped quite a bit to. to to liven up this crowd and to keep everybody kind of on their toes and oh, add a lot you. of spice to this crowd. So we appreciate you, you coming down here. Um, and, and for both of you, um, what's next for you, Joe? What are you gonna, what's next for you in life? Golf. Well, I, I play in a golf league with the Gross Point Senior Men's Club. and We play in St. Clair Shores, uh, Michigan, which is near the lake, and you have to always I was just telling my new friends I met over here from Scotland that one of my favorite places in the world to play golf is in Scotland. The old course at St. Andrews, Glen Eagles, some other courses there. And um, uh, just be honest when you write down your score. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, helps, that helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Nina? What's next for you? Well, I'm, I'm working on the second podcast and hoping to get that up and running. And I'm working on new stories for next year and trying to really focus on, on things going on in Michigan and, and sort of being true to the, the local stories. Now, uh, now you, you know how we do our disclaimer about adult life. Now, the yeah. Dreaming with Nina 
you have the disclaimer, do not operate heavy machinery, do not be listen to this while driving, do not. And, and my dream podcast is you and Ben. Oh, okay. You and Ben doing a sleeping with Ben and Nina podcast. Dream, dream I'm sorry, dreaming. <laughs> dreaming. Sleeping with Ben and Nina. Uh, that might have been a subliminal. I'm not sure. But uh, I, I like Ben, but, you know, I, I have a weird thing with Ben. But, um, but yeah, if you and Ben, I always said if you and Ben were together, they would have to put a, a warning oh, yeah. label on the podcast because... I've joked with Ben, we need to do some spoken word duets of some of those cheesy 80s love songs. Yes. That that would just yes. be, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get him to do Islands in the Stream, but I haven't sold him on it yet. And one last question for you. How do you feel about Springsteen? Oh, God. Okay, we're going to jump. Okay, yeah, the boss. The boss. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. Fine. <laughs> like, when you say fine to you, mean like, means like the most awesome musician ever. Sure. Okay. Sure. Now, now, keeping in mind that I'm from Michigan and we have Bob Seger. Bob Seger. Who, and, Bruce yeah. Springsteen is like, huh? So, yeah, Springsteen's fine. Huh. Now, see, I've always considered them very similar. I've always considered them similar but different, but um, I'll, I'll give you that. Bob Seger wrote most of his own music and his own lyrics. And Springsteen did some of his own stuff. But some of Springsteen's best work, I think, is he did a, a cover live in Germany of uh, Chuck Berry's uh, yes. C'est La Vie, you know, mm-hmm. the old folks, yeah. uh, which was very good with yeah. the horn section. I, I digress, I'm sorry. No, he did. Actually, he did. That's, that's a great one. You look it up because somebody requested it, and he just... With the band was like, okay, how do we figure this out? You know, here Check it out it. on YouTube. It's worth the effort. It the is. other thing I want to say briefly, the from my generation, people born before or around nineteen fifty, I was born in forty seven. The greatest makeout song of all time. And oh, you can God. check with your parents. <laughs> Bob Seeger's heavy music. Check it heavy out. Heavy music. Heavy music on YouTube. I will look it up. Right. I will look it up because I think it was banned in Boston when it came out. Heavy music, because I do a lot of making out, Joe. I do a lot of making out. Well, so. at your age, I'm very proud of you. Oh yeah. I, I just, uh, no, that's about as much as I can do. But I, mean, you know, then I got to take a nap or Sports Center comes on or something. But you know, but well, we Nina, we really appreciate you coming down here. We appreciate the help, especially with the script, Joe. It was fantastic to meet you. I mean, you're just a wonderful guy. Thank just a, a, an extremely Thank interesting you very much, guy. And I'll pretend like you mean that. I do. <laughs> I got to talk to you. Well, I, I'm, I'm making up the wonderful guy. I am not making up the interesting guy because I got to talk to you for a long time last night. Thank you're you just a fascinating guy. You've raised a wonderful daughter. Thank so. you. Man. One of my greatest life's accomplishments sitting right here. Oh. Oh. I got to pay him later. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. What else we have? Are we, are we done? Brandy, do you want to come up and talk about Haunted Vision for a second? Yep. Oh, I know. I'm dying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I can interview you? Oh, hell yeah. I feel like we should put Chuck on trial up here. Okay. You want you want an interview? Okay. So, you two 
you, Rachel, now you've done a podcast with us, right? No. Uh, Brandy, you've done False. a podcast with us. False. Yeah. And then you two cackling hens decided to go do our, one your own. Does that make you, um, you like don't, a crazy rooster? You don't. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. <laughs> anyway, uh, tell, mm. us about your, tell us about your podcast. So Haunted Visions, um, Brandy has always kind of had an interest in the paranormal just like myself. And I would kind of consider myself an, an open-minded skeptic. And there's just too much crazy stuff that happens and too many crazy stories you hear that just can't be explained or just odd stuff. And life's too short to, to not talk about it, I guess. So we wanted to talk about, you know, she really likes urban legends. And um, in one of our episodes, we talk about Bloody Mary and Candyman, which is really freaky stuff. But kind of just talking with her, we kind of clicked and just decided, why the hell not? Well, tell me, you, you, you can speak up here, devil. Say something about the podcast. <laughs> I really listen. <laughs> I wish it was so easy. Um, what more do you want from her? Yeah. All right. <laughs> what we're going to do then, if anybody has, why you would, I don't know. If you have any interest in asking any questions... Um, feel free. Now, these lights are shining on me, so I might be a little selective in who we ask, answer, but any questions from the crowd here? Chelsea. Chelsea. Uh, so do each of you have a favorite episode that you've done? Yes. <laughs> Mine, I can only speak to myself. Um, Carl Panzram was the most, he carried more hate with him, than, and he was completely unrepentant. And he was, a, he was a normal guy, somewhat normal. He didn't have anything, you know, that serial killers had in their Except background. Except he was raped by hobos. Well, until then. <laughs> he, he ran away from home. He jumped a train. He got gang raped by a bunch of hobos. From that moment on, he was the most hateful man. And, and everything he did, he was completely unrepentant. When they took him up to hang him, um, they asked him his last words. He said, My, I just wish that the world had one neck. And I could strangle all you son of bitches at one time. And he told the hangman, he said, hurry up, you dumbass Hoosier. I could have hung ten people in the time it took you. So, you know, that's been mine. Um, um, I would, a funny one, one, the funnier one is probably uh, Rasputin. That was a, it was a good one. And then the, on, a, a more serious one was the jumpers, the... Um, suicides from the Golden Gate Bridge. I love San Francisco and I had an interest in it and did a lot of research on the individual stories of people who've taken their lives there. So that was probably my favorite that we did. I like the incubation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad thing. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, it's funny, it's, it's, um, and it's one of those things, you know, when we started doing, um, we did one like a Brandy started crying when we recorded. And uh, it was it was I no, I mean it was it was, it was heavy. It was really heavy, heavier than what we thought we were doing. It was heavy, and so it's nice when we get to do people like Spooky get to be here, so the to see unusual like you know this world that appeared in this day. Um, those things those things are fun. There's a lot of, you know there's a lot of material there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things to make fun of. 
Rachel, do you have a favorite? If so. Um, I, I like have, the one. Have you listened to the podcast? <laughs> yeah, do you even listen to the damn thing? Do you? you know where you're at. Right? <laughs> yeah. I like the one. Um, it's, I can't remember his name. It was George. He was from German von something. He helped. He He's the one who like had the corpse of his. Oh, oh yeah, Carl the guy yeah. Yeah. used the paper tube on her. Yeah, Carl that Tansler. was it. Was so. Carl Tanzler, the Tanzler, the Tanzler. The there vagina. you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he he. I don't know why. Like I had that on in the kitchen once when I was like doing dishes and stuff and cleaning up my house. My husband walks in. and He goes, "What the fuck are you listening to?" <laughs> and he's like, "Why is someone using a car? I don't even. You know what? I don't even want to know." And walked out, and that that was kind of his more of an a introduction. You close-minded to me. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, that was my my probably one of my favorites, just because it ugh, this guy was just nuts, and it was interesting. That was a funny story to do. Yeah. Any anyone else? Any questions? You can ask anything. Give me proof. You talked to your attorneys about your liability exposure for having fans like We have a a international law expert Burst. with us all of the time. Yes, Nicola so, yeah. Reed. Nicola Reed. All the way from Scotland. Scotland, she has us covered. So yeah. Yeah, I've got eleven dollars. Yeah, good. I am off. I am off the butterscotch discs. I, I have. I have finally given up that habit. It's a nasty habit. Um, There'll be no damn popcorn in our podcast from yeah. now on. And, and Timmy has written in the popcorn edict in our co in popcorn clause in our contract. So. We real. I, I honestly. I. I'm. I could not stop laughing. But I thought he was really going home. And you have to know Timmy because he does weird stuff. When he gets mad, he does very weird stuff. And I thought, he's just going to grab the, the computer and just walk. I mean, it wasn't even time for him to leave work. He's going to grab this computer and just go home. You know, so, it, but that, that, was, that was a good one. That was, that was very well, funny. I would really agree that Tim was wound up tight enough right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really feel like cleaning up that mess this weekend. Yeah. So. so, anybody else with anything that they would like to know about Jennifer? I, I asked you this already, but I was just wondering what you guys thought about like, what it was like to hear our reaction to the deal. You guys do it, like you were saying, in a room by yourself, so you don't know what and how we react. The first time that we ever received an email, it was from this guy in Norway. Norway, and Canute. Canute was storm. He had dog and we had no team. idea anyone was listening. And we we posted yeah. this on our own personal Facebook pages, but you know, besides my mom, we didn't know anyone was listening. <laughs> and um, we got this email from Canute, and we was like, "Oh my God, someone is actually listening to this." And he was like, we listen to every show. I listen to every show. So it's weird. It's really strange. But now that is like, that is what 
we, we don't make money at this. So that's what we get out of this. Is well, I think she was talking about actually having a live audience and hearing him oh, at right. that moment. And what's, what's, what's interesting is, you know, a lot of times I'm not, and, and Brandy, you know, I don't remember what I've said a lot of times because the podcast goes through. So, and I'm going to re-listen to this. But anyway, you'll say things, and what will happen is on the page, somebody will find something really funny, and I won't even remember saying it, or Brandy won't remember saying it, because you're not. So, and then there are times where on a podcast, I will say something, and I will think, I nailed that stuff. That is one of the damn funniest things I've ever heard. And nobody thinks it's funny. I thought uh, I really thought Pimpalicious was gonna take off. Yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> it went so it's it's kind of nice, you know, in in that regard. But it's not as nice because people don't think things are as funny as I do, apparently. So, <laughs> you know. I think I'm much funnier than you guys do. So so Yes, Matt. Oh, you were just messing with your hair. Okay. Yeah. So do you, you. Do not raise your damn hand in the middle of something. Now you just bought my car from me. So. Come on, Rebecca. You got a question. You know you do. Yeah. Oh, there's all kinds of stuff. There's always a hobo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it hits all the points, and it's going to be really good. It's a really in-depth story. Yeah, that sounds boring. But I started looking at this one thing that I saw, and then it got me down this rabbit hole, and now we're doing, you know, whatever, some elf on a shelf or some shit. <laughs> elf on a shelf. <laughs> because, to be, so I mean, we come to it, and I'm like, oh, I think this is a great idea. And like, yeah. That's a, or his, his go-to excuse is, there's just not enough material out. Like, motherfucker, they just made an entire documentary about it. Yeah. <laughs> Kim Burns did shit on this yeah. stuff, and you are telling us yeah. that there is not. My, and my favorite is when it, 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 we're trying to lighten up on him, but the, the last one he came to us with some schoolhouse fire or some shit. And, but he, re, he in, we are a comedy podcast, and I'm like, yeah, and we're going we're gonna to tell you about a school that caught on fire that 95 kids burnt down. But, so we'll give you these scripts. And... and because we, Brandy and I are very hands-on and very involved in pre-production stuff, um, we have no idea what we're doing until we walk into the room to literally, like today, one of the things we said to do is like, maybe we should read the script before we actually do a live podcast, you know? And, and it was a great thought. And I read like, the first three paragraphs of Tim's, you know, and I didn't read any of mine. But, uh, so we don't uh, really know what we're doing at any given moment. Um, because Tim always has 15 scripts he's working on. So he brings that back. He gets down a rabbit hole. He'll go, we start working on something, and then, well, there's a link to this other page. And then they have a link to this other page over here. And now I've ended up with this serial killing nun who's in the transvestite. 
And it's just, and you know, I don't, okay, you know, whatever. I sent some of your suggestions, so. Yeah. <laughs> Sylvia Likens is my suggestion, yeah. and you did that to be good and like. Yeah, seeing you cried. Well, I'm sure that brought so much joy to your heart. <laughs> I'm sure. But yeah, so no, it's, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, and, we, and eventually we did more things. But like I said, Timmy, Tim writes the scripts, and you know, whatever he wants to do, I mean, it's fine. I'm, you know. Tim's basically the, the Barry Manilow of podcasting. <laughs> He writes the scripts that make the, the whole world, the whole podcast go. Any other questions? Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have a moment that you felt particularly rewarding since you've been doing this? Never. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I will. You know what? I take that back because we had our our follower, and and I feel bad. I'm going, I'm going blank on his name. Um, two different instances. Um, my sister died. I put up a GoFundMe page, you know, because her, she, had, she had no insurance. She was a drug addict, you know. I told the whole story. I could not believe the amount of money I got from the Tweeps. And it was not to me. It was for her, you know, her daughters to try to bear. But then we had... Hira. Hira. And we did a GoFundMe for him. And, and we talked about this last night, you know, you going at a bar. And, and I think that that was when... You know, to me, the podcast was fun. It was kind of a joke. Well, I didn't really take it seriously and still don't. But it was when you realize that there is this large group of people out there that, you know, if, if they put one thing to mind, they can accomplish something, and they accomplish something very, very good for his wife. And, and I think that's probably been the highlight of doing the podcast for me. Is yeah, definitely. You guys were just amazing with uh, helping raise funds for Hiro's widow, and he was a good guy. He he, he just you know he just mentioned uh, messaged me one day. He said, "Hey, I like the podcast." I invited him to our page, and he was on there what five or six months. Five or six months. And young and, guy. And yeah. It was you know. And we were really hoping we were hoping that we could raise five hundred thousand bucks for him or something. And uh, we raised, from the History Dweebs page alone, we raised over $4,000. Yeah. And that uh, was you guys, so thank you. So, yeah. So that was when, to me, that, was, that has been the, my favorite um, thing, just every day hitting that GoFundMe page, seeing the money go up and everything else. So that's, that's what I would say was most fun for me. And then also the other podcasters that got involved in it. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of turned into a bigger thing, yeah. and uh, and and again, you know, aside from that, just the groupie that I have, the groupie. The groupie. <laughs> well, you know what, Dottie's not necessarily a groupie. Dottie's just an associate and a fan. But. An associate. Um, you know, for me, that was amazing, and but um, you know, for me, when when I get on the page and. You know, people will post, and, and a lot of times, you know, and I know you all have friends like this, you'll see people that, on your regular pages, that'll post, and it's like, oh, you know, and, and I have a girl on this page, I ended up blocking her, she was driving me nuts, but, you know, she's, <laughs> yeah, I had one follower, it was too much. Oh, my God. But, um, you know, it's one of those people that they beg for attention, oh, I'm having a bad day, because they want that attention, they want somebody to come on there and go, oh, no, honey, you're fine, you'll get another job, you'll get a new man, you'll get... You know, whatever. I have the, I have this girl. Breast. Yeah. 
So I have, and I have this girlfriend who's like, a, you know, a size two, and uh, she's, you know, she's fine, and she posts this picture in a bikini and then says, oh, I just feel like a busted can of biscuits. Really? Do ya? <laughs> do ya? And of course, everybody feeds it that I was obnoxious and I hadn't followed her, so I'm like, you know, I can't do that with you. But um, what's, what's funny to me is there are people that will, um, they'll post, and they'll post, you know, hey, I'm having, I'm not stopped having a great day, or I'm whatever, and everybody, Everybody, and it's without exception, everybody rallies around them. And it is, um, it's genuine. You know, I know I've gone on there a couple times and been like, you know what guys, I'm just having a bad day. And the amount, the response, the amount of love and, you know, nice messages and, you know, those things are amazing to me because it's, it's, it's a group of people that have no reason on God's green earth to be together, to know each other. And yet, we are all very kind to one another. We all, you know, you'll, we posted something one time, you know, somebody say something nice about, you know, somebody else on the page. And, you know, five, six, seven hundred messages later, and everybody gets something. Everybody gets a hit. Everybody gets a boost. And that's one of the things, like I said before, you know, Tim created the page, and, but you guys make it amazing. You all Absolutely. make it what it is. Uh, because you certainly... Some of you. <laughs> um, because you certainly don't have to participate and you certainly don't have to be as kind um, as all of you are um, so I, I appreciate that because even if it's not uh, about me um, it's still really nice to see people say you know say just lovely beautiful things to other people that are having a hard time and it makes it, you know it makes a difference it makes a difference to that person so, I, you know, that's my favorite thing is just to watch that and, and of course, watch some of the friendships, people, again, that have no reason to be together, no reason to know each other. Uh, well, Nicole and, together. Nicole and Andy met on our page. Did you really? <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> so it, it was 12 years ago. Right. Yeah, when we were first starting. Did you guys meet her? You guys met her on our page? Did you? Okay. Well, no, I know that. <laughs> I didn't know if you previously knew each other, if you had known each other before. So, okay. and that kind of stuff is really, it's really neat to see and, and watch develop. So, that's one of my favorite things. So, any other questions? Well, it's five till four, so that's a good time to end it. Thank you all so Thank much you. for yes. coming. We love all of you. You're the best. Uh, Rachel is going to lead out the folks who are going to the um, pedal wagon. We still have an hour and a half. Yeah, pedal wagon. See Rachel for information, right? Yeah. Okay, sounds right. Everyone coming to the Rook tonight? Yeah. Okay, we'll see you there. Thank you all for coming. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.